0: You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck.
1: Do you like comic book movies? Particularly Marvel films. Because if you do, hi, my name's Ian. I hang out with Mitch. We take a journey into mystery every single Wednesday. You can watch us live. You can listen to us later in the car when you're by yourself and you don't want to tell people you listen to podcasts about Marvel movies. That's fine. No judgment. But we're here for you. We watched all the MCU now we're going through all the old ones so buckle in Mitch is gonna take us there boom that's your ad right there Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues Geek Media show. That's about everything literary, books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. We're here to talk about it. As always, on this day after New Comic Book Day, we are here to talk about all the comics that came out this week. And I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who's always at my side, Sway. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary
0: and trans out there, if you're not if getting your comics on Wednesdays. Just be fucking be careful. The comics are going to be there. Like, there's really no rush. Just, just, just take it slow. It's going to be fucking okay. And it's just, just, <laughs> it's just some words of advice. To just put out there. Thank you, host. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. <laughs> no context, you guys. Don't no context. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we were reaching out to you guys uh, to talk about all the new comics. We have no comic book news. Uh, this week, nothing of significance that we need to address at least, so we can go straight into our comics, and boy, yes. am I excited. Very. This is a strange week of comics, so why. It is. Yeah, it, it, I, it, like the list I got was significantly smaller than what I ended up picking up, because there were things that came out that I had no idea were coming, they weren't anywhere <laughs> on any lists, there were books I missed, like, yeah, so... So we're going to get into it, guys. And uh, as you know, uh, as a great poet once said, boom, here comes the boom, <laughs> ready or not, here comes the boys from the south. We're going to start with Boom Studios. <laughs> did you like that one? I did. I, I actually <laughs> did love the ending, too. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start with Boom, as we always do. And uh, we got four books. and I mean, and will each got all four. So this is fun. We're going to be able to talk about these yes. together. We're going to start with Magic the Gathering number 5. Ooh, okay. Written by Jed McKay, who is fucking killing it, by the way. <laughs> like, oh like, hell yeah. He's doing so much shit right now, and he's doing a great job at everything. Um, drawn by Iguara, colored by Ariana Consoni, and letter by Ed Duke. That's fine. Um, so I got this one.
0: That's the one I didn't even, I don't even know who that planeswalker is.
1: Uh, I don't either, but
0: it's cool. I, I had to go with Elspeth and Anjani. Anjani was a for sure thing, and Elspeth. I actually need to go out, or I just like look up the what the variants look like before I go out whenever these books come out because I saw the white side on the spine, so I was like, "Oh, Anjani has to be white cards." I'll go for that, and I completely forgot that I had seen that Elspeth was part of it too. So <laughs> I was like, "That was for sure thing." But thank God, it's actually a really pretty cover, like the rainbow effect from like the light shining. Is really cool, but then I had to go back once I looked it up, I was like, Oh god damn, it. it's like it's literally the purple one. It's the easiest one, and yeah, thank god I got the I found the Ajani one. Yeah, definitely. Now the only planeswalker that I actually really fucking love from like decks that I actually have, and I hope they make the variant, is uh Sarkin Vol, the the dragon Tamer. He is such a badass to me. Yeah, definitely. Like Ooh, uh, and so. also um Arlen Cord, the the only actual uh werewolf planeswalker, but that's also getting into the book right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we are going to talk about the book, of course, because that's why yeah. we are here. Um, so I was trying to quickly see if I can figure out who this planeswalker is, but I could not. Uh, so uh, so let's talk about the book. Um, so fresh off the things that we found out, this is kind of like the, the it's not a new arc so much. I mean, I guess it would be a new arc, a new, new yeah, chapter. We're still going out for the mystery. Yeah where everything shifts and our Planeswalker heroes are now going on missions and doing things, checking in with their own people for an issue. Um, and we get a lot of fun stuff that happens in this one, including, as you hinted at, a confrontation with some werewolves. They go to Innistrad. Yeah, which ends so awesome. Yes. Like, just dope. Um, I really dug, and keep in mind, I don't know these characters' names very well, but I really dug the 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 one chick going back to her pirate crew.
0: Oh, fuck, yeah, uh,
1: Vraska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. I dug that. And just, like, lots of cool reveals. Like, we get to see Teferi. I love Teferi. That is yeah. a character I actually do know, so... <laughs> um, And, yeah, it's just really, really cool. And lots going on. Um, Again, it's pretty heavy into the lore if you're a Magic fan. Uh, yeah. To know who all these people are and stuff. So I always kind of wondered, like, if people... Didn't didn't play magic? Know nothing about magic. How does it feel when there's like this big epic reveal on the last page, <laughs> and you're like, "Who?" <laughs> like, so I always thought that was kind of funny. So
0: I literally meet that what you just said right in the middle because the reveal in the end is someone who I'm kind of unfamiliar with, but I was eating up the whole book because Shadows Over Strad Eldritch Moon was literally two sets. That such and I just went fucking crazy for because it literally was all just nothing but magic cards based on vampires and the werewolves and then the horrors that would combine with um, those two creatures and just would make other beastly stuff. So I really liked this part of the lore and I was like, fuck yeah, like a place I'm actually really familiar with. And these two with, um, I guess, like the only one I'm not, um, not remembering, like the guy. When he was literally blocking out the full moon. Cause he was bringing in the storm. I was like, that is such a cool fucking part. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. He was like the, the counter to uh, the werewolves. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I-, I meet that. I meet that thing. Right. What you said right in the middle. Cause like, yeah, cool. We'll focus on who she is later. But right now this whole book was a lot of fun. <laughs> this whole yeah. book is a lot of fun.
1: So Teferi is actually one of the bigger characters in magic right now. Okay. Um, or, or over the past several years. Um, he has, I think Five or six Planeswalker cards. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. Uh, The one I really like is the uh, Teferi Temporal Archmage. Cool, cool. Uh, His ultimate ability is minus 10 counters. You get an emblem uh, with you may activate loyalty abilities of Planeswalker's control on any player's turn, anytime you could cast an instant. Son of a bitch. And one of his abilities is untap up to four target permanents. So imagine, like, you're tapped out of mana. All of it again. They do Re- something stupid. You untap four lands. You could do anything with four fucking lands. So, yeah. So it's basically like you could counter anything at any time. And they're just <laughs> going to be paranoid. It's it's great. I, lo- I love that one. So yeah.
0: I uh, I found your cover. His name is The the Wanderer. I sent you his uh, TGC player
1: card. Ooh, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, for that I don't of even though, know. Him. No, I've recently got back into magic. Uh, yeah. So. I
0: mean, off of a great set, too. I want to go back into magic because of this.
1: Dude, I- I'll be like straight up on us with you um and we're gonna deviate a little bit guys uh but i'm sure wizards of the coast won't mind because it's gonna be a commercial um if you go to magic the gathering arena mm-hmm. you can you can log in you get a bunch of free cards oh, dope. Um, okay there's there's there, if you there's a quick google search will give you a whole bunch of promo codes okay and you can put them in and i ended up with like 38 cards the so 38 nice. packs to open mm-hmm. and you get free packs as you play Okay, kind of like Pokemon too. Okay. Yeah, so you never really have to spend money. Yeah. Like, okay. It, it's actually similar, really similar to the way Hearthstone does it. Yeah, yeah. Better, in my opinion, so, and you unlock whole whole or you unlock whole decks too as you go. So every oh, day tough. I've unlocked a whole deck as long as I do a certain challenge. Oh, that's So I have fun. like I have like ten or twelve decks now. See, I hope these catch on because Pokemon has
0: been doing it for forever, and yeah. now I'm with Magic, I hope it catches on because, like, I kind of do also want to dip into like, the Digimon
1: one, but now we're really deviating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed the story. I'm very, I'm very excited where it's going. I'm really starting to like these characters, yes. even though they're not characters I was super familiar with to start off with. Like, I mean, I, I love Kaya because she was she's such a badass card, and I,
0: and I love fucking with um, Black and White um, Orzov. Um, um, and then Vraska, just because she's a Gorgon, it's really like, the guy I didn't really like fuck with at first. Now he's actually really fucking dope, but because I'm not really like, an artifact user, and he's really like a blue and red type of planeswalker with a bunch of artifacts. So, but yeah, but like you said,
1: like now I'm completely turned around on this character because I'm literally following him around. Yeah, and I really dig um, how she calls out Niv masset when he's just like, yes. Like, at the beginning, she's like, fuck you. You don't know what's going on.
0: (laughs) And, like, they even bring up, like, the worst part. He's like, bro, you fucking died, and now you have this cool metallic body, but, like, you're fucking blind, dude. And it's such a great scene. Vraska is such a badass. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Because even to see Kaya sweat like that, that was when I knew it was like, oh, damn, she's really fucking up. Like, Kaya doesn't get scared. Kaya doesn't fucking flinch for anybody. She's, like, halfway a ghost. Why would she flinch for anybody? But to see, be in the presence of that fuck-up, like, oh, man, that, that was a... That was a scary face just to see Kaya
1: be, be scared? Yeah, definitely. So, really cool. Really enjoying the book, and I mean, it definitely served partially to get me back in, into the game. Yeah, so, definitely <laughs> served its purpose. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> so, all right, let's move on, and we are going to talk about uh, one of our favorite books, Wind Number Nine. Ooh, okay. Uh, creative team written by James T- Tynan the Fourth. Uh, illustrated by Michael Dial- Dialinus and letter by Anworld. World. I got this cover. Oh, so pretty! I almost got a Virgin cover of this one. Yes,
0: I this <laughs> that was almost going to be my uh, my only choice, but I had to go to like the furthest comic book, sh- one of the furthest comic book shops possible to be like, "Yo, save me one!" and be like, "Cool." <laughs> and it's like I was able to get. I almost didn't get wind. Oh man.
1: Um, everything, everything I would have missed.
0: I probably would have been happier. <laughs> not of think about it.
1: It's so yeah. So when we last caught up, um, our characters had made it to the fairy kingdom. Wind found out a bunch about lore. We talked about there was a bunch of lore in the last episode, or yes. the last issue, and this one kind of takes back up with the action where um, there is a lot more talking. Don't get me wrong, uh, but where wind uh, wind is basically watching the uh, gardener's boy get worked on thorn yeah and how he they're doing surgery on him and uh he's worried about him of course because he's in love with him i love the little conversation he has with the the fairy girl oh hell yeah the daughter yeah about does she do you know him well and he's like kind (laughs) of like and i was like that's really sweet because it's like yeah i was kind of obsessed with him even though he didn't know it like known him a, for about a week
0: <laughs> but he's like oh it's complicated because again do, do you care for him or like yeah I forgot how she wears it And he's like oh it's complicated it's like that's not really a complicated question and then yeah she, he literally just dumps everything on her and he's like and then at the end that is complicated
1: <laughs> yeah I um but it was really great and we um we check in with the adults again of course in the woods that's a slow brewing story Ooh, and yeah. um we get the reappearance of the vampires, and it looks obviously. I don't think anyone is out of the book. Yeah, you know. yeah. But, but it definitely looks harrowing. You know what I mean? So, oh, for sure. Uh, it's really, really good at issue. Um, I love that wind is always a really big issue. It's always yeah. nice and thick. There's always a lot to it. So,
0: I love when we get like
1: those, like those weird
0: ominous characters like sometimes every other book but like in this case when he was like well him and uh i feel like i'm just calling her like the, the sister like they get in a fight and he flies away and he meets like that that old lady on top of the on top yeah. of the, the trees and because how old she appears obviously she's, she's probably ancient she automatically knows she was probably speaking the truth and like was calling out what how how special wind really is mm-hmm. only when was just like oh no you're just some crazy old lady you don't know anything that's I'm just like a nobody, but no, I'm pretty sure it's one of those where we're just like, we should have been listening to her.
1: One other thing I want to point out, and this isn't something I've pointed out in the past, but I definitely saw it in this issue more, mm-hmm. especially that specific scene is I really enjoy a specific thing about Wind's character design, which is look at how low on his body, his wings sprout. Yes. It's like on his waist right i really like that usually uh-huh. it's the shoulder blades but the shoulder, I like, like the angel more. wings yeah 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 i think that's really cool so just a little like design thing i've noticed that i really yeah, like the, the, these flight ones like they're very yeah. much like right there in the middle yep yeah exactly so yep all right so let's move on to our next book basilisk number three yes Ooh. i did catch up on basilisk you got number I two it. i got two i read yes. it and everything so uh, so we're, we can talk. Uh, so, fast list number three. Uh, so we got it written by Cullen Bunn and uh, drawn by Jonas Sharf, colored by Alex Bemarès, and lettered by Ed Shar. So we got these five creatures, creatures of supernatural ability. I don't think we know exact origins or anything as of yet. The so. senses, yeah. Yeah, based around the five senses. And uh, the last issue, obviously, Josue reviewed it for us. So I'll go ahead and throw out my stuff. It was good. It really established them. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. the, the, the first issue scene. was all about the one character, and then they were on the last page. Yeah, yeah. So the second issue, I had to introduce us to them. Did a really good job. Made them out to be the threat that they are. The fucking diner scene between these two? Oh, it's brutal. Absolutely yeah. brutal. So Um So issue three, all everybody's coming together for what needs to happen. And the four, I guess for lack of a better word, evil ones of the group are coming together and slaughter a bunch of people. And it's really interesting to see like the bit where they killed everyone. They said, No, they didn't kill everyone. They never kill everyone. Yeah. They always leave one and then that becomes one of their worshipers basically cuz some dude comes up and is just like how would you like to join their church which i think is pretty funny actually i know it really opened up the story like so much more i was not expecting this angle mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what what use would they have of followers you know what i mean yeah so like they kinda... literally don't care for people exactly yeah
0: like even even like i i tried to see if the little girl had any remorse cuz she was playing with with the, the kids but she was like Ugh, well now I gotta do this and she obviously killed them but I was yeah. trying to see if there's any remorse it was like as a child like did she still want to do this or not and it was just like no nah, like they're all just too far gone yeah
1: it's really cool I'm really enjoying it mm-hmm. Um, it gives me like uh, it's not the same story at all but it gives me vibes of uh, fuck what was that show on HBO with Um, it was last year and it had it was the 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 shape shifting, like um, Stephen King style show, The Outsider. The Outsider, yeah. I get kind of vibes of The Outsider, like a that little kind bit yeah. of world, you know. If but, there was more of like there was more like of the danger
0: factor than like just like the one entity mm-hmm. thing,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like if like if the detective character from that walked up in this, I would not be shocked. Like, yeah, I mean, I, thematically feels appropriate.
0: That's what I want to say about this issue too. I like that we finally got at least like that we were able to put in the words or piece together the backstory of like the protagonist or like what's Mm -hmm. driving her revenge factor is like it's like oh fuck she just wasn't there and to just come home to just everybody like that i'd be like oh fuck that
1: would mess me up too yeah you get that survivor's guilt and then you channel it a different way Mm -hmm. uh, yeah that's that's a killer so all right that brings us to our last boom book oh shit talk about a boom written by tom taylor illustrated by danielle de Colored by Walter Amante and Letter by Ed Dukeshire. I'd like to point out that I said Danielle's name right the first time this time, so thank you. <laughs> yes. That's, that's maybe the first time ever. Um, so Seven Secrets, number 11. I didn't notice and I got end up getting the variant. Oh, nice. I got the cover, eh? Let me see it. I didn't even get to see it.
0: Okay. Oh, God. Oh, yeah,
2: now I have to yeah, go backwards. <laughs> I have to get of it.
1: Of course. Fuck. So... We'll talk about the B story first. Okay, Uh, Titus. (laughs) I like that it started with (laughs) Titus of all fucking people because he was kind of the star of this scene. Um, Yeah. Basically, they have the British Prime Minister, and Titus is like, "I'm gonna beat this shit out." Basically, (laughs) and they're torturing him for information, and it goes pretty well. One thing that's very interesting is Caspar drops his case. Yes. Which. Yeah well also his eyes are glowing That's a whole other thing we need to address <laughs> <laughs> That's but the way I, I like that the case is the thing that shocked me more than
3: his Exactly
1: eyes you, you get these
0: weird factors but then these like Trivial sentences are like What actually matter or
1: like they're actually More of a fucking boom
2: mm-hmm.
1: So that happened that was a good story It's great but But The main story here Is When they went Basically, one of the teams went to basically what's left of Switzerland, which everything is dead in Switzerland. They even <laughs> mention like the bugs. There's absolutely silence, basically. And they go to recover the, the secret. They get there, and then there's a conflict <laughs> oh, man. between Laqueta and Canto. Uh, and, and their respective people that are allied with them. And Kanto had previously stated that she thinks Laquita was the... Uh, um, the traitor. The traitor. Spoilers ahead. Kanto was the traitor. Yeah. yeah. Now I kind of called that. Yeah. But I also thought it might have been a little too obvious, which I think I got triple played. True, yeah. <laughs> because I was like, oh, the mask character is the traitor, the one we can't see.
3: <laughs> right. It's like,
1: okay. And then I was like, there's no way they're going to do that. And they did it. So it actually surprised me. <laughs> so, um, Kanto, we finally see Kanto without their mask. And it's revealed that Kanto is Amon's lover. And yeah. Is. And the kids. Fuck, this book is so good. Like, what's going to happen next? <sighs> I don't know. I'll never know. It's just so good. The way Amon just like s-
0: literally swoops in and just oh man, I would, did not want Laquitha to look that just go out like that. Like yeah. she knew it was all it was all over, obviously. But man, like you know, like the like the current meme right now is like top ten like badass moments. Like people characters knew that they were gonna die. Like look what gonna it has to it deserves this fucking spot. She was like so literally bad. crying and just sign like signing. I, fuck I do. Oh man. But then you get the reveal. and It is like, okay, we finally see his face. And then they, and then they kiss. <laughs> just mm-hmm. like, what? It's like one dude lost his mom. The other dude lost his, lost his keeper. And the whole time they were together, get the fuck out of here. That's
1: brilliant. Yeah, it really is. Ah, so good. I can't wait to see what Such happens
0: It's a next. good fucking book.
1: <laughs> it really is. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so glad we were both on board.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, we're going to move on to another publisher uh, real quick. I have one book, and that is for Oni Press. Okay. And this is Invader Zim. Oh, nice. And see the fancy pig? It's the cover, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's called The Dookie Loop Horror. It's, of course it is. <laughs> it's a time loop. They're trapped in a time loop. Ooh, I love it. And the only uh, the only people who know they're in a time loop is Dib and Zim. Okay. And what happened was uh, Dib goes to basically confront Zim because he's like, it's your fault, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically what happened was he found these um, these uh, what, what do you call them? Um a slubagloob, which is a slubagloob is known as a chrono dumper. interdimensional creatures that actually eat time where they're from, and then use our dimension as a toilet. <laughs> so what they experience is their poop. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's just it's just great. Wait, so uh, it's he's just using really- this whole whole like satellite. To collect the poop because there's energy in it and stuff. But what happens is <laughs> so he's basically explaining everything to Dib. And then he's like "Uh, well I've been able to figure it out because basically he's, um, Zim's been aware he's been in a loop way longer than, than Dib. Okay. And he's like well I've been able to figure it out because in a few seconds no matter what I do, Gur somehow gets inside the containment chamber. <laughs> and then it's just Gur in the containment chamber with the poo. And then he's like, and then he says, <laughs> "Aw, dang! Who's got a fancy pig now?" <laughs> and then Dib says, "What does that mean?" <laughs> and they both just <laughs> stare blankly. And then, and then Ger shows up with the, the fancy pig from the cover. Of course, just pulls him out of nowhere. And he's like, "Oh, because he has a tuxedo, I see you now." And and he says, and then he says, "Sing me a p- song, pig." And then the pig farts, and then that's when everything resets.
0: Oh, goddammit. I think I can't get past that.
1: They keep trying everything to stop Gurr, Everything. And they're just literally like, and he just somehow pops in. He'll be across the universe, and he'll just pop in there out of nowhere. <laughs> and so they just basically are trying to do this. And that's why they call it the the Dookie loop, because it's a time loop. with Pooh. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really funny, man. I love having Invader's impact. I forgot how much I missed it. Um. Is this the written other...
0: by Jonan Vasquez? Yes. Oh, shit. Okay, i got to get
1: my hands on it then. And the other character in this is Mini Moose, who is oh. adorable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> All he cool. does is say, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I, I literally,
0: I, I miss read, reading him so fucking much, like Jonan Vasquez. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get how ed, ed, edgy it was for Jonan Homicidal Maniac, but... Actually, he
1: he co-wrote it.
0: Co-wrote it? Cool, cool. But I mean, like, like, you know, movie. like the... the um, Rick and Morty books like it's, it's not Dan Harmon or, or Justin involved maybe some of the yeah. writers or whoever gets involved but I was curious about this one but code ready yeah fuck yeah
1: yeah it's written by Jonah Vasquez and Eric Trueheart okay it's illustrated by Aaron Alexovich colored by Fred S. Stressing, and letter by Warren Wucinich probably because they just you know he's Jonah's pretty busy yeah you know, so they probably just work together on it. so but yeah I really I really dug this it's, so I kinda much, it's a one shot too I do want to look out for this it's hilarious um At one point, they talk. Basically, Dib is like, "Wait, how long have you been in the loop?" And Zim's just like non-committal to the answer. <laughs> and he's he basically was like, "I'm surprised you're not attacking me." He's like, "Oh, I did that way too many times." <laughs> and so, basically, at one point, he's like, "At one point, I cut off your head, and and Ger made a made a pie out of the rest of your body, and Ger's got this creepy face and look on his face and shit, like." <laughs> He's like, I'm going to make a pie. Like, is one of my favorite animated characters ever, by the way. That, that, I honestly, I'm, I'm surprised that Gur I, I mean, that he
0: rubs off in a good way. I thought he'd be like, fuck no for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, Gur's great. He's ridiculous.
0: He's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah. And just his visual. Yeah. The visual of him is adorable. Like, like oh yeah, so this one they said, Gur ate it uh, and then he made you into a pie. I actually tried to stop him, but you know how he gets. And that's just the two of them talking. the girl pops up in the background. Oh, one of those like ominous and he says, looks. somebody talking about making a people pie. <laughs> 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 like, it's just proper creepy. But the best part is at the end, they try to stop it and fail. And it resets again anyways. Mm-hmm. And it says the end, but not really because of Dookie Loop. <laughs> 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 so I really like this. It was a lot of fun. And revisiting yeah. Invader Zim is great. And I cannot wait for the Nickelodeon game so I can play Invader Zim yes. and beat up people. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm finding that. Next up, we're gonna talk about Titan Comics and yes. Horizon Zero Dawn Liberation number one. We're back with Horizon Zero Dawn comics, guys. I'm very excited. Me too. Because I really like that first run. It was really, yes. really good. So uh, before we jump in, let's talk about the creative team, writers and tool. Stories by Ben McCaw. script uh, editor is by Annie Cattane, art is by Elmer Damaso, colors by Brian Valenza, and letter by Jim Campbell. Um, so you're, you've played the game, yeah, all the way through. I did. I did not. Okay. So do you know about this dude, Aaron vanguardsman Oh yeah. Um,
0: he's he's an NPC. On, on once he, once he appears, he'll be an NPC. They'll, they'll just they'll always be there. Mm-hmm. He was a dude that actually like as soon as he shows up, it's not that he's like, he doesn't show up like I'm better. Like he doesn't show up all misogynistic, but he kind of does have like that. I'm better than I'm, I'm fucking better than you. Like attitude only because he's like the top guy from like that part of the world or that that clan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, off the bat, like the first interaction I was like, I'm not going to like this guy. Just this <laughs> weird. Um, but then honestly, it's one of those where it's just like, I just completely misread this guy. Like I literally just judged him off, off the bat. And it's one of those where I just like, he's just actually a good person. He almost, he's almost like, he's not soft, but it's almost like, dude, you have such a chill vibe. How are you running like this, like this part of the army, this important part of the army? It's like, it doesn't really, doesn't really fit it, but you just like that character.
1: Nice. Um, so it looks like most of this is actually filling in a lot of his background. hmm uh, A lot, there's a lot of flashback in this. It looks Yes. Like. You no, know, which is cool. Cause I didn't really need to know him, I think to appreciate the story. So, um, but it was really cool. And um, I fucking love the arena scene. Yes. Uh, yeah. It was super dope. That was sick. Like beating a Ravager with a rock, basically. Essentially, you have, you found a rock and were able to defeat them. <laughs> That's pretty dope. Um, and then the whole Spartacus moment, you know, the whole, you know, Dron, is this the best the Sundom has <laughs> to offer? Like, just fucking Are you not badass. detained. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, it was really cool. I'm excited about this. I can't wait for uh, to get Liz to read it because Liz and Evan are both huge Horizon Zero Dawn fans. Yeah, and that's what it was too. Because like when he is around or when he
0: when, when you brush up on on his missions or on part of his storyline, it is about touching up on this one. So what this book is really going to excel at is actually getting the visuals of actually what happened to his sister. Because it's really only like his part of like being an NPC is just kind of like him him running that that important place like under like the new Sun King. Uh, but he does have his own story on, like, getting this revenge on, like, his sister. Because his sister was, like, obviously, he read the book, was the one that was running said army, but then she died. And so he kind of took over. But he's literally, was obviously, and like, again, you read the book, so he's obviously not his sister at all. She's such a badass. Yeah. So I'm glad that we get that visual here.
1: Yeah. And I do like that these are filling in the blanks of the NPCs. For the yes. Kids. Like, we could just have a story with Aloy, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually doing other characters. Yeah. And stuff, so...
0: I'm, I'm almost kind of like, we'll be, I'm probably because like I planned on so this. I'll probably have to like go back and figure out like where I can put this like book in the first game. But it's one of those where it's like, I, I'd rather not like go back. I kind of want to see like where we're, where we're bridging the two games. But I mean, that, that's why we love, that's why I love the, the first book because it, it was that tall enough story too. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm so glad I knew I, knew I, said I wasn't, wasn't going to get new books, but this is a sequel book of a one I was already reading. So it counts.
1: Yes. And, For the record, Josue got the Peach Momoko cover, and I got the wraparound. It's such a good one. It's so pretty. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was a wraparound. Oh, nice. (laughs) I got home before I realized. I'm like, oh, there's shit on the back. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to switch over to one of our bigger indie book indie publishers. In this case, we're going to talk about Image comic books. Yes. We have a total of six books. I have two. Josue has four. So we're going to go two, two, two. Mm -hmm. Josue, talk to me about Inkblot Eleven. Okay. Yes, Ink Inkblot Eleven, done
0: by Emma Cubert and Rusty Glad. So we get the narration of the librarian, from, that's part of the, the the sister librarian. That's from like this giant family of wizards or sorcerers and a bunch of magical, like very uh, fairy, like fairy tale people. And of course, because it was her fault that she spilled the ink, this magical cat, time traveling cat, that's. Essentially, or this is a hypothesis that it's linked to, or it's a part of the void, based on like all, like based on everything that this cat can do, and during this narration, and where we, I guess, where were we last left off with this cat, that's right, we touched back on another character that we've seen before, and then she just, dis- and then the cat disappeared, and now because based on the narration, that's like a time traveling cat, you see this cat stumbling into some or napping in some in some woods, and uh, on some, some uh, a pine tree, and these mammoths like these woolly mammoths are just like duking it out wakes up the cat so you actually get to see the cat be grumpy which is like a a face that you don't get to see on this on this cat often and so this cat tries to or scurries and falls from the tree falls into on the snow and a piece of its tail falls off and because it's like literally in a a part of the embodiment of chaos or the void of the out there (laughs) it cuts off and before it can like get at it it turns into a, bu- a, butterf- a, a void butterfly and starts fluttering it right away. So now the cat is. And so now you get to see the cat struggling on trying to catch part of itself. So that's cool. We get to see the cat struggle for a little bit on based on its own shenanigans. And probably because it's around or maybe it's the land, but it literally awakens this giant snow triceratops, <laughs> this bipedal snow triceratops. Snowteratops. <laughs> ter- thank you. <laughs> And we cut to the origins of said like fa- like big ass family that are running around doing a bunch of like very important stuff, and it's literally the moments of like th- of this family just burying their parents who were actually like the magical ones, and they basically die sacrificing themselves saving the family. So we get to see like the the, the eldest brother, like the one with like the the, the magic staff that like is controller basically like the leader of the family, and is all powerful. Now we're gonna see him struggle or even like see like the origins of not just him but everybody. So nobody sees the cat except for one of the one of the family members because Snow, snow Terrace Ops uh shows up and it starts wreaking havoc, and then they realize, oh shit, the one sibling that saw the cat and went to go chase after it might just die because the Snow, snow stop tops yeah saw him and is actually going after him. So the brother, the eldest brother goes to for the for the save. And again, nobody's seen the fucking cat just being around, and because like there's like a, a cool a cool action sequence, the librarian sister is able to just like rip off a branch, a piece of a branch off from this tree, and throw it at the brother. So it's like at least like he'll have a weapon, and that's what triggers like the staff as he stabs it in like in the middle like of the monster's chest. This all this red magic starts like coming out of it, and it literally captures it on the staff creating the said staff that has made him powerful after all this time and, and and is now harnessing that back to the cat, which is again nowhere to be around, is able to pounce on the on the butterfly, eat its eat part of itself so that the, the tail can grow back to where it was. And and that's ink plot. <laughs> and so we got at least we get part of the like, more of the backstory and I like, guess like the beginnings. It only took eleven issues.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: All right, let's go into the good Asian four. Whew. Talking about them heavy ones. Um, Yeah, the good Asian. Oh, let me go to the back. It's always in the back. Uh, this one by Pornsock uh, uh Artist is Alexandra Tefenki. And colorist is Lee Lutheridge. And letter slash designer is Jeff Powell. Whew. Man, I swear to God, Edison Hark. Like, this, this is going to be one of those, like noir books that are just gonna be like dark as fuck like yeah. it's one of those where it's like yeah the detective that you obviously root for then you change your mind where you just you want to root for him because he's the cop trying to solve this mystery and there's obviously other bad guys out there to where I'm pretty sure it's gonna end up we're four issues in I'm, it's a mini out of like 10 or 12 and phew, by the end I know I'm just gonna hate this fucking guy it opens up with, like, a, a, kind of a sex scene. It is a sex scene. But the <laughs> the page, the, the opening page is just, like, you think it's real for a second. But then it's just, like, Edison Hart with a call girl. And the whole time he was just picturing his surrogate sister. And it was just, like, oh, God, where the fuck are we going with this? <laughs> it was just so bad. And it, also, we, I mean, like, surrogate sister, like, in a... Not even like they—they they didn't even, like really adopt him, They just like took him in, really. And she's and like the whole thing is like is, well, what makes it weird is just, like she's really more more of the kind of like, the bigot and will say like kind of racist shit like to him. So it's kind of like, oh, oh bro, it's like why? <laughs> yeah. So back to the actual mission. Oh, to act to the actual case, getting making a little <laughs> weirder. Of course, it has to be about the only guy that's actually there for him, his surrogate brother, uh, tags along for the case at least like this part it's always every issue is always somebody who's like in and around like edison Hark's circle and of course how is he gonna fuck him over this time and the whole time he thinks that and the whole time it just it's just like edison hark is just like he's playing an angle he's only bringing him along in the case because he might like the the guy might be a suspect and it just sucks because it's just like uh frankie his name is frankie Um, It just sucks because Frankie's again, like I said, like literally the only guy that's ever been there for him, and now for this again, like the surrogate brother to see you as a suspect for this case. Yeah, I mean, like if you're a suspect, like let's just see it, follow it through, um, and and so until you're proving innocent, but to just not get that from the start, from again your Chinese surrogate brother that the whole world is obviously looking down at him, but you as Frankie are like you see him as your equal, and now edison is my my again playing angle on you so the whole book is just like um him again like working it out around him to and until he's like okay no it wasn't frankie even though the whole thing is like the reason why he might be a suspect is because frankie was like again like the one that introduced the about why this whole thing is, is um is trying to uh trying to get uh being solved now hmm. so and then we get to the action sequence and we meet up with uh And quotes Huey Long, the fucking the axe murder that's that's been going around. And we unmask him and find out who it really is. And of course, it's just a fucking white guy that's trying to make the Chinese look even worse um, based on his own agenda. (sighs) And because of this, because Edison Hark was trying to play his angle, Frankie's not a cop. Frankie has no training. Frankie took an axe to the throat and since Edison is the cop, he had to stay and obviously reported in instead of going after him and maybe, maybe catching the, the killer. And it's just like, ah, uh, this fucking guy is just losing every piece of himself. Like issue after issue. It's fucking great though. It's just, uh, it's just such a hard fucking book. I didn't think I was going to like it this much, but every issue just gets deeper and darker and just like, it just fucking twists a knife every time.
1: I'm really enjoying what you're telling me about it. I'm definitely going to pick up the trade. Nice, so, cool, cool. You know, you know, I love some noir, so
0: yes. No, I, I definitely think you, you you would dig it too, especially for a period piece like making it more pulpy too. Yeah,
1: yeah. I already mentioned it does kind of remind me of Penny uh, Dreadful, City of Angels. Oh, okay. Uh, in that it's the cop, the first cop of a certain minority <laughs> yeah, you right. Case, mm-hmm. And how does he deal with balancing that? And stuff, yes. So which I thought was an underrated show. And more people should watch for the record, mm-hmm. but whatever. Um, all right. We'll move on to two books for me from image. The first one is a number one. Oh, yes. Please the tell me. me you love in the dark. Yeah, please tell me creative team. Scotty young is the storyteller.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Art is by George Corona. So right there, that's a killer team. So colors by jean Francois Ballou and letters by Nate Picos of Glambot. There's an additional credit here I want to mention. David Stoll created a 3D model of the house. That's oh, okay. Important because oh. this house is basically one of the main characters of the story. Oh, um, oh my God. I'm going to end up. Wanting a you're going to get it. There's so the cover. Yeah. I didn't get an idea of the art style from her. Mm-hmm. There's the house. Okay. So. She's moving into this house. She's renting it. And basically. Um who you find out is I believe her agent is like, you know, this place is haunted, right? Why are you, why are you renting those places? Like, thank you. Thank you. I know. I know. She's like haunted or not. It's exactly what I'm looking for. So here's a big two page spread with the house and her. Okay. And what you find out is that she is an artist and she's trying to get inspiration to draw. And throughout the rest of this issue in this really awesome visual storytelling, um, she's basically does the same thing pretty much every day. She pours herself a glass of wine. She puts on her record. She sits down and tries to draw. And she's not getting inspired. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to herself the entire time. But she's talking to the house as much. She, you know, she says, hey, ghost, if you're real, then I'd appreciate some help unpacking or maybe just hang a picture or two. Make <laughs> yourself useful, you know? She's like, yeah. Uh. So she just can't draw. She cannot be inspired. And she keeps going, like, maybe tomorrow or maybe next time, you know, stuff like that. And then the next time she's sitting there, she's talking to the ghost again. She's like, you know, you could at least start the record and pour my wine for me. If you're not going to do that, at least give me some inspiration or something. What good is a haunted house if it doesn't give any quality haunting? (laughs) And she's doing this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then she wakes up and she goes downstairs to pour her wine. And she hears music and she goes out there and someone had already poured her wine and started the record player for her. Cool. And she's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Basically. And she's trying to figure it out. So she's finally able to sit down and draw, but she absolutely hates what she drew and destroys it. She's like, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be this big shot artist. I'm, you know, very much like, you know, an artist. I I imagine it like the second album for a lot of musicians, you know, right? That's the kind of feel I get from this. So she fucking destroys her easel and all this stuff. She, she throws a tantrum and then she starts talking to the ghost again. He's like, do you see that? You know, number one lesson in life, throw a tantrum, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, what do you say, ghost? Should I just pack it and go back to being a barista? And then we get this black panel. Ooh. And it just says, no, you should not. Uh, and then she's like, what the fuck? She goes, oh, shit. And she runs outside while it's raining and stands out there. And she's like, when you start hearing voices, it's probably time to get out of the house or cut back on the wine. And she walks back in. She's like, nice try, ghost, making me think you're actually real. She walks into the other room. The mess she made is cleaned up, Ooh. and on her easel, it just says "I'm sorry" written <laughs> on there. Amazing. Yeah. So she's like, "I'm losing my mind. What the hell's going on here?" And the voice says, "I'm not sure whether you're not, or whether or not you're going mad, but this is the last page, I am very real. So you can see the spill." From the mess she made, but see the footsteps? Right. And then see just the hint of legs.
2: <sighs> oh, shit, yeah.
1: But they, they look like they're drawn. Yeah. They're, like, they're sticks. They're not legs. Also, like, they're looking like they're, they're spacing away from her. Like, the positioning is just, like... That's shadow, I think. Oh, okay. So, so, and that's where it cuts off. That's good. It's a cool haunting story, and, you know, artists trying to get inspiration. Is it going to be a good ghost? Is it going to be a bad ghost? Right. Just dope. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I picked it up. So definitely worth a pickup, guys. Uh, Check it out. My other image book is Commanders in Crisis, number 11. Mm. Written by Steve Orlando. uh, Drawn and co-created by David Tinto. Colorist is Francesca Carotenuto, And letter by Fabio Emilia. Um, So uh, the Crisis Command is still fighting the bad guys. But as we saw last issue... Prize fighters back in the fight because he's trending.
3: <laughs> oh, that's right. That's all I got so good.
1: <laughs> I'm so um, trending. Um, and they do this great thing where there's fights going around, going on all over the planet. So you see, like all these heroes they made up for bits, like the Brick Bat, which is just basically Batman with a brick in his hand. <laughs> Dope. And uh, there's there's a duo called Dusk and Dawn, which I kind of want to book for. Hmm. They look kind of cool. Um, there's Ajax, last son of planet Olympus, like just all kinds of little bit things like that. They're fighting the minions, but crisis command is taking out the big bosses. They end up doing so. And all these heroes are coming together. And one of the crisis command, her ability is she can change reality, but she has to make up a new word to do so. And so she has, but it has to be like a logical word for what she needs it to do. Yeah. So, we get this awesome full page. And you can see there's wor- a word going around the planet. We never see the full word because it's too long. Oh, okay. But basically, everybody is suddenly mentally linked into a giant hive mind. Everybody on the planet. And she's like, welcome. I thought we should all talk. And I do mean everyone. For the next 24 hours, we are all here. So, they're basically all together to talk it out, basically. Damn. It's really cool, <laughs> like and just that's kind of where it's left off, and it's just like this can be basically we all have to work together. This can be the ending or new beginning. Basically, it's up to you, and then that leads us into issue twelve. Really cool stuff. I love this book. Nice. It's got like almost a Tim Seeley sense of humor sometimes, mm-hmm. which makes me laugh. But it's but it's also like not anything I could see Tim ever doing. You know. What okay. I mean? so, yeah. Yeah. So really, really good. I really enjoy it. So. Tell me about Stillwater 9. Stillwater number 9. Chip
0: with writing it. Uh, Ramon K. Perez with the drawing. uh, With uh, the artist. And Mike Spicer does the colors. That's right. And Russ Booten doing the lettering. So, last issue we took a break and we figured out kind of like how the sheriff, how she got into the town. And now we actually come back to where we actually left off and it was with um, the guy, the, 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 the main character that came back to Stillwater discovered that right. now he's part of the town, son of one of the, a member, why he's related to being here. And where we last left off with him is that he was rescued by one of the kids, particularly for at first, uh, the guy that wanted, that would be the sheriff, the guy that brought the, uh, his marine militia, or his little militia over to take over the town now. And he's really fucking up there. We'll get to him in a second. His son. Um... He's the one that saves our what's the main character's name? Um, but anyway. He's the one that saves them and takes them to uh the next resistance group, the arms of the chi- or the children of Stillwater, the arms of the children. Um and yeah, it's every kid that has wanted to grow up and hasn't. Because again, the, everybody's immortal, but it's more like time is frozen and they can't grow up. Okay. So it's been since and then and our guy is just like, I don't, I don't belong here. Like if I shouldn't, like, I'm not one of you guys or we shouldn't, I sh- you shouldn't keep me here. And they're just like, no, you're literally everything that we ever wanted to be. So no, you're, you're one of us. Like, yes, you belong here. And then they're like, yo, meet the baby. Oh God. This baby Oh God. Was, what yeah. A fucking. Oh no. <laughs> Obviously he doesn't look blue or, or red eyes. It's just more like the, the fucked up yeah, cover but, but, as but soon it's, as he said the baby i'm like the implications are the implications it's literally like- how how the how the picture how the baby is painted for the cover is literally what what makes you feel because it's it's not it, you don't get like a, a an omnipotent like baby that's just like talking like like yeah like, uh, super literate like but it's just the way they describe it is like yeah he doesn't talk he doesn't he didn't he hasn't de- he didn't develop that yet so she's just like stuck there but the way, the, the way they start describing his eyes, like I, like at one point he just started, you can just see them just like, they were just like drifting away or not drifting away, but there, You can just see that they were just like connecting stuff. Like you just, this baby is very much alive and coherent. It just can't communicate back. And that's fucking scary. Like that was literally what I took away from this book. I like, literally gave me chills just thinking about this baby and what kind of torture that is. That's, Oh my! That's that's such a fucked up torture. Yeah. Um. So so back to the back to the sheriff and then the other sheriff. Uh. Since like the militia came, and now they actually they, uh the guy sheriff could take over, and he was gonna go on his way to kill her, but using their words, and she kind of got the upper hand on him, was able to kick him, and they crashed and got out, and pretty much now our the stu the two stories now meet the the guy that grew up. kind of hears the crash and is gonna go fight the sheriff the guy that brought the militia and obviously again he because he's not trained or was ever in the military he just gets his ass kicked and that's when the kids show up they go they were following behind him and of course it's like yo i'm your son are you just stop are you going to kill me and the fucking guy literally starts pointing the gun at his own son and be like i told you to leave and because also two of the two of the militia people showed up as well to back him up so obviously like we were all fucked and then the kid shows up and is like no stop and again the work left off he's pointing a gun at his own son but he's not flinching because the other kids show up and now they're for sure outnumbered and also because the two militia people just i guess now have a heart and and they're like yeah we're not going to shoot kids but also because (laughs) they they realize they're also outnumbered so it was just a heavy fucking book and that that scene alone to just like Try to just tr- trying to like to to relate or to just like feel bad for this baby, but it's just like who can comprehend what this little thing is actually feeling or going through? It's like fucking it, age just like let him go out of town so he can just start developing. Like fuck,
1: seriously? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it's just that that kind of thing, like being arrested at a certain age, but a too young age. Yeah, like like Pinocchio in Fables, right? And and that's what that's what I was expecting.
0: Just like a little kid, a little baby, just like mouthing off, and it's like, oh, this sucks. This sucks. I, I hate being at this size, but to just not be able to, and then to yeah. just, but but your brain that that little infant brain has at least developed enough, or enough time has passed to where it can at least comprehend, and now it knows how screwed up it is. Mm. Mm-mm. Yeah.
1: Mm-mm. There was um, in the Ra Salvatore novels long story short, there was a point where a bunch of characters were b- brought back to life. They were reborn in new bodies, uh-huh. but they were babies. But they maintained all of their intelligence and all of their memories from their previous life. Oh, Even shit. as babies. So, like, one of them was just, like, the indignity of having to breastfeed and stuff again. Oh, okay, and yeah. And no one has to do it and just fucking hated it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, that's really intense. So, yeah, that's just crazy. Because, yeah, that baby's body didn't develop. It's still eating... It's not eating solid foods. Mm-hmm. you know it's probably been eating formula forever that's fucking crazy like ugh, yeah all right and last image book skybound x5
0: skybound x5 the only reason why i was getting these anthology books is because of course robert robert kirkman the bastard that he is is still milking walking dead for everything that i can cash out so out of these we
1: five mean, anth- we mean bastard in the most positive way for the record
0: yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> so out of these, out of all these five books, of course, there was one running story. And it was Rick Grimes, 2000. So I, I had to see it through because, like, I mean, there are short stories. And I, at one point it was going to end. And also, like, with, with this set of books, I won't get every single issue unless it's, like, a skybound book that I am also reading. Like, literally, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten number three because it's also touching on Murder Falcon and Science Dog. Number four has Excellence, Sea Serpent's Air, and Redneck. And then the fifth one has Psychics of Trigger Keaton. So you can probably get like a little kick, a little extra bit from this one. Mm. And then Code and Gasolina. So I literally wouldn't get these three issues if it wasn't for the fucking Rick Grimes story. And this Rick Grimes story, in the end, I was like, you know what, fuck it. In the end, I'm I'm glad that that I got it. Only because so I can actually put to rest this goddamn fucking series. And in the end, I got Walking Dead (laughs) for 198 issues. I guess, no, you know, 199, which makes it fucking worse that we didn't get a full-on 200th issue. <laughs> because at least in my headcanon, this Skybound Rick Grimes 2000 book is the actual, not only explanation, but the actual sequel and conclusion to the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Robert Kirkman said that he will never reveal what actually caused the the zombie virus, except this book actually does, or at least it's supposed to be a what if, but it's also, it's also weirdly a sequel. It basically explains that it was aliens who brought the virus and because and and so that we can then destroy ourselves. And the other reason why they're here is because to them, water is a type of currency. And so they're just waiting for us to kill it to kill ourselves so they can just like swoop in and just like suck it all up and they can just go on their merry way. Right. And spoiler alert to the actual Walking Dead comic book, one, two, three, spoiler alert. Rick Grimes doesn't make it in the end. So this opens up in the same way uh The Walking Dead opens up, Rick Rams opens from a coma. Only we find out that the aliens were actually as in the main continuity as characters were dying off, instead of them going, I mean, some of them did turn into zombies, but the ones that we didn't really get to see what happened to them, just they just died. Um, the zombies were literally collecting the bot as the bodies as they were dropping and then resurrecting them for their own purposes for this story now. And it just becomes so fucking crazy. So it's like, we get our explanation. We get our sequel. I guess, fuck it. This will be the ending. And the only reason why I want to make it like true headcanon is because we had that, um, um, that one shot that Brian K Vaughn wrote. What was it called? The alien. Oh, <laughs> only it was man. about, it was about the American that was stuck yeah, on, France, on in kid. France. Yeah. So obviously it was about that kind of alien, but still the title alone. And then we get this weird thing that was, the explanation was aliens fuck it i'll take it and i can finally put the series to bed and i can little to not talk about it as much <laughs> um and, and the reason why it did get cool at the end uh because negan shows up and they get it gets super fucking star wars negan L- Le- negan's lucille is split in half so he's double wielding it except that he's been working for the not the whole time like ever since like he got basically for the story he started working for the aliens and lucille became he combines them and that's how he kind of has some sort of control for the zombies for the aliens and when he combines them oh the fucking whisperers show up at the last fucking second like alpha and beta and then because there's not much story to tell left uh in this case they're they're actually together and as soon as they kiss all of the zombies morph into just this one giant zombie monster god i actually kind of wanted this in the main continuity <laughs> uh
1: but yeah so they fight Mix they fight of <laughs> like a wreck it ralph too liz when we watched that liz was like do you think one of the wreck it ralphs is his dick and i'm like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's so true uh but
0: yeah it, it gets very star wars like and at the end there's like a, a nice little ending where it, it gets really like interstellar um, Carl gets his happy farm ending, where he's like, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen too much shit. I'm just living, I'm literally living a, a life of peace that my dad wanted. Meanwhile, Rick Grimes is basically um, Matthew McConaughey, and just still goes out and does whatever he wants because the fight's not over. Um, but yeah, it was just bonkers. It was stupid, and I just, God, Walking Dead is just forever over now. I hope, like, please, in Skybound X, Robert Kirkman, just tell other stories,
1: please. Well, it's like Bo Burnham said, I'll stop beating this dead horse when it stops spitting out money. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, it, it was cool to see like
0: Walking Dead characters in this sense in color. I do not like the current Walking Dead Deluxe being a re-release just but now in color uh, because this one is actually drawn by Ryan Ollie. So you, you, you do get the invincible team up, but them doing Walking Dead instead. Uh, so, yeah, that was the only kind of thing that was also gripping me with. Gotcha. Oh, and then, uh, sorry, and then Skybound 2, there was, uh, in Skybound X number 2, um, this one, this one did have another reason to get it, because it did have a Stillwater story, and this one was basically, it was about the the sheriff's son that I was talking about earlier, and his interaction with his grandfather, and it was a really, a really good story about, like, letting go, in a sense, because, like, the, the grandpa is just, like, really fucking just, like, he's just not happy, reason being is because, the grandmother like or his wife was one of those that was just like i fucking hate this life and she chose to escape or to leave who knows if they got to her and put her to rest instead um but he he thinks about that obviously he knows that and obviously he's, he starts bickering with the grandson and the grandson the whole time is because he has a cat and now ever since this has happened in Stillwater there has been no animals around like they they even felt the weirdness and they either left or they kind of took or they pushed them away but this one cat like really like this bo- really likes this boy but he keeps escaping and like comes back just for the boy so there's a really good moment of like him of the boy taking the cat to the edge and just letting it go cuz he knows that he wants to leave and honestly stay with the weirdness and the grandpa actually kind of follows him into the woods, and the he witnesses, and they they have a moment in the end. So it's kind of cool because like they did say that this would actually introduce a character, it being the grandpa, and I guess he actually might play an important part later in the main line. So, so yeah, these, these stories are like little extras, but they might serve some purpose for the main for the main run. Which is why, in, ca- in case you might want to get the fifth one for the sidekicks, Jerk uh, Turkey. In. Nice. I mean, I might. Um... Or just skim it through because they're literally like they're not long stories. Just yeah. skim it throughout the shop.
1: Yeah. So, all right, uh, that ends off our image run. Uh, it's quite a few image books. We're gonna move on to Vault. Um, so Vault, in this case, we have two books. We each got one. I was unable to secure Engine Ward number eleven. I didn't realize it came out this week. It wasn't <laughs> on my list and it wasn't on the wall. So this way? tell me about Engine Ward eleven. Feel free to spoil, unless it's something gigantic.
3: Well, I mean,
1: it's, I mean,
0: for, first and foremost, written by George Mann, hmm. or by Joe Eisman, colored by Michael Garland, lettered by Hassan Otsamane uh, Olau. I, I mean, it's almost like a can't, right? Because this is uh, issue 11, and we're kind of speculating that it might end at 12, based on the Zodiacs. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's very much like, you, we do get to see, like, the, the revolution, like, happen with like the both par- both parties meeting and then shit really not going well for uh the zodiac that, that's kind of running it and oh yeah no for sure uh the preview for the the cover, the preview for the cover for the next issue and at the bottom final issue and then there was just this wording at the end that i'm just like i don't want this like i mean like i, I love this book but i almost like i don't want to get the last issue so i don't have to end it you know and again, like I can't, I can't really go on spoilers because uh, this is a, the penultimate issues to the series. But gotcha. I will show you that it was promised to be Tauros. Yes. Yeah, and it is a good one. It has a good red cover. Yeah, that's pretty great.
1: So I'm excited. I'm gonna have to pick it up over the weekend. So cool. All right, that brings me to my vault book, which is Heavy Number Seven. So I got this cover. I just really like the red background with the the white sketchy. Oh look. yeah, it is. So I tend to get this whenever this variant cover is available. So. This book is such a trip. Ugh. Written by Max Bemis, drawn by Eric Donovan, colored by Chris Peter, letter by Taylor Esposito. So this is the one with the people who died, and now they travel to alternate realities and try to fix problems. And they're called heavies. And they're basically cops, but they're more assassins, really. And the main character, so <laughs> just to give it, a... Cause to go over this, I kind of have to refresh you with the characters. You have Bill. Bill's the main character. Uh, he is he's a good dude. He has a wife named Sharon. And they're killed, uh, on, they're killed by a guy who is her ex-boyfriend, who mm-hmm. is also in the mob. His name is Slim. Bill is told that Sharon went to heaven. So he's got to work as a heavy to earn his way into heaven. So he's working his way into heaven. And he ends up getting a new partner, and it's Slim. And it's the version of Slim that killed killed him. Yeah. So he hates him, but the rules are basically you can't attack, you can't hurt your partner. So he has to work with him in order to make it to heaven one day. And as they work together, even though Slim is pretty terrible, he starts to kind of like Slim a little <laughs> bit. They start to get along, and they're on the same page and stuff. Just Slim is willing to do the horrible things that he doesn't, basically. Yeah. And then they get a new partner, which is Sharon, his wife. But not from Bill's reality, from another reality. Mm -hmm. Where she had a lot of problems and she got into drugs. And in this world, she ended up with Slim the entire time. So it's like this hardcore version of Sharon. And the two of them are just fucking her and Slim constantly. (laughs) And Bill has to deal with the fact that an alternate version of his wife is banging this dude that killed them Mm
3: -hmm. in his
1: world. And so that's kind of the setup for this. One thing we see... So there's this... Um, the area where they're, where they're at is called The Weight. And it's a big, vast, open area. And their boss reveals that The Weight is actually a chick, is the way she put it. And they're, like, looking at a hole. And you realize the hole is the vagina of existence. No shit. And the boss proceeds to... You can guess what that is. Oh my God. This book. Yeah, I'm not even going to repeat it out loud because it's fucking hilarious, but it's a little disgusting. Holy shit. So that's how she communes with everything, basically. Uh, Meanwhile, Bill and Slim are sent on a mission. So, oh, and there's also a tease at the beginning where one of them held Jesus as he died in one of the worlds, which I thought was pretty funny. So. Basically, they're talking about how, because in this book, they met God once. Mm-hmm. And God was like a spoiled little kid. And they're like, we're, we weren't told the real versions of the stories. You know, there's more to it than we, we were told. And they reveal that um, that when Lucifer, in this one, they reveal that Lucifer, when he, um, when he betrayed God, he was, you know, basically like, you know, he, he was cast out as we know, and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're in hell. And he's like, no, whatever. Like, he's like, there's no such thing as hell, basically. Like, these, why would God allow them to keep power? That's just something, you know. True. It's yeah. a lie, basically. And he's like, no, he just dumps them in this pocket dimension, dimension whose, whose fabric is maintained by the weight of their abject suffering and depression. And so we get this look of all these fallen angels just withered and sad looking. They're no threat to anybody basically yeah and and he's just like, what, Bill's like, what's our mission?" And uh, he's just like, you know, all this stuff. basically he's like, um, <laughs> basically he's talking about how Bill's too nice and everything, and Slim is like, and I'm truly not trying to be a dick here, but that's why Sharon sleeps in my bed now basically it's like she's like it's the most reliable thing that's fucked up world is that cold will always find you and then he's like I have a I have a job to do basically and uh, we get a confrontation with Bill and somebody else while he's doing the job Slim comes out and Slim's like alright job's done and Bill's like well that was quick he goes uh, you want to tell me what our mission was he goes oh you're just backup someone has to make passionate love to Satan every century or so to keep him pacified oh my god god damn it Yeah, so Slim is like this awesome pansexual character that I fucking love. And so basically, he's like, listen, let's talk. He puts his hand on his shoulder. He's like, look, I'm looking out for you. That's why I brought you here to show you I care. And then he kisses Bill. Oh, my God. And then he says, I'll be frank, my dog. I think we should be together. You, me, and Sharon. Think about how many issues that would resolve for you. I doubt she'd argue against it. She's, She's overtly fallen in love with you. We needs to fucking climb when we can create our own heaven. And then Bill's like, you know, I know you pretty well at this point, but fuck you, basically. Like, <laughs> like I don't want this. He's like, uh, this proves ex- I know exactly what you think of me, that I'm some repressed homophobe who secretly just wants to cleanse your balls with my face. <laughs> he's like, get your fucking shit together. He storm's off, basically. And then later that night, Bill and Sharon end up having sex. They, they meet and have sex. Okay. And Slim is off visiting God. So this is God. Like a spoiled little shit. Yeah. Basically. Slim shows up and it's just like, you find out he's been working for God the entire time. And I love this book was so sacrilegious. He punches God in the face and takes his crown. Oh shit. And that's how the book ends. So, so cool. I don't oh, man. Like
2: book, dude. <laughs>
1: that's a good one. Yeah. It really pushes the envelope in ways that I just love. So, uh, but I high recommend highly, highly, highly recommend. Uh, it's one of the few books I'll go page by page for, and like to describe because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> All right, let's shift gears. Hostway, talk to me about aftershock and out of body three.
0: Oh shit! Cool, cool. This one, out of body, uh, by Peter Milligan. Uh, our artist is Inaki Miranda, colors is Eva de la Cruz, and letter by Sal Cipriano. Ooh, uh, so our boy our yeah our psychologist here our, is stuck in the astro, yeah in the astral plane he got jumped got put in a in a coma and now is stuck yeah in his astral form and the bad guys one of like the main bad guy potentially maybe being uh, fucking the portrait of what was his name the portrait of
1: Dorian Gray? Dorian
0: Gray. It might be Dorian Gray. uh, Just because, like, there was a portrait that was alluded to. And he just looks hella decayed and might need some life force. Like, some... About to cross over life force so he can probably, like, be young again. And he has a little lackey that is just really fucking creepy. Has his own, like, fucked up issues. And it's just a total incel. And it's just, again, very fucking creepy. But anyway, our... (laughs) Um, are the, the guy that's stuck in the astral plane he's just like really fucked because we left where we left off last time is that we find out that because insurance and stuff and America they want to pull the plug on him and, and instead of just helping him out and he only has a week to try and figure it out in his astral form in his projected self to try and figure out who killed him and see if he can uh, get back in his body. Uh, thank God he has some help. There's a a psychic who's like pretty good at like projecting herself and like kind of walking him through, or at least like doing her best to help him out. Um, and then we get the other side story that's, that's happening right now, or at least like that connects like with this one, like the heart of the story is that, like I said, he was, he's a psychologist and he's not there for one of his, one of his patients. One of his patients that's really struggling and ends up walking into a a subway rail. And it sucks because like then they end up meeting in this like a- a- astral and and this crossing over uh, part, and he just has a moment where he's just like, oh man, like it sucks because like the guy thinks that he did it, like the doctor didn't care for him, why he wasn't answering, not understanding why he wasn't answering, but again, it sucks for his doctor that he's like in this predicament where he really would have been there for his patient. So at least like he's able to help him out, but uh, he tries to help him out, but again, coming back to the bad guys who are collecting dying souls they're able to trap um the the the, the patient and fuck who knows what's gonna happen to him now because again i mean he doesn't have a body to go back to so it's cool like I, I do i haven't i've never read a story that has that has actually dealt with just about astral projection or at least like out-of-body experiences yeah. and this book just actually does look really cool We're just like going like weaving in and around like this phenomenon so it's, it's a solid book
1: nice all right, shifting to another publisher. We're going to quick fire a couple of publishers here. Dark Horse Comics, Jenny Zero number 4.
0: Jenny <laughs> Zero number 4, uh, written by Brockton Brockton McKinney and Dave Duwatch, illustrated by Magenta King. Uh color uh, color artist is by Dom DAM DAM or and lettering lettering is also done by Dave Duwatch. So, to finish I guess part 1 cuz it's for an ending it's it gave us a lot more where it's just like it's not going to stop here i also got a reply from dave de that this was actually supposed to be a five issue mini but it started getting too big and they had to almost like wrap it up here that being said i I, they i guess like they will be continuing it because it doesn't really have like an ad like other books do where it's like if it ends like come back to Mm -hmm. this next one it just has like a really open and a really open ending so hopefully they do they can come back to it because Yeah, Jenny's here. Just started, so she's able to click with her powers. She had her mentor in the last issue, and now the government is here to collect. By collect, they mean her, so they can do her, so she can do their bidding because she's a kaiju, at least like half a kaiju. So she's hella fighting. Uh, She's she's fighting, like I guess, literally the government. And it's really dope because she just doesn't just doesn't give two fucks. We find out the government has been working on their own mech, so she literally just like she's like she has that fight with like a, a mech and I guess the point where she's struggling and I shit you not. Dean Martin shows up and saves the day. Dean Martin being, uh, the original, uh, Kaiju, uh, hero. It's his, it's his dog. His dog okay. is, his, his dog is named Dean Martin. What okay. we find, <laughs> what we find That's out like, though, um, is is that this regular, like regular looking hound dog can also gigantify into a kaiju, and now it's a two-on-one fight, and he's he's able to help out. It, it was awesome. It It's it fucking great. Um. So yeah. So basically, yeah, we 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 get that ending. Like she saves the day, but it also ends up being where like she now does has to maybe start working for this organization, this government, because they use leverage against her. So we do get this weird <laughs> open ending, and it's just like. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I want to come back because I was. It was one of those books I was trying it out to see where it went. Like the first issue wasn't that wasn't didn't really wow me, but every every issue coming after that just kept getting better and better. It's like the way it would open the world. Like Jenny Zero, she's just kind of a badass in her own way. I just I just love how she just how she just is. So yeah, it's just it should not end just here. Gotcha.
1: Nice and moving on to our final quick fire uh independent publisher we're going to talk about behemoth comics and nfkz2 Josue,
0: tell yes. me about it yes is created by uh William run rendered. uh so yeah this is just basically an, an adaptation and again i'm really happy that run was was replied to me on my tweet when i when i uh tweeted about this book and i guess i, I what i didn't know is was how old this Story. This book was like the the movie came out not that long ago, and even then I knew it was kind of an adaptation of something that I kind of wanted to get my hands on. Excuse me, I didn't know it was fifteen years old. That this comic, Damn, really? the, the comic came out fifteen years ago, um back in France or in Spain. I forget, I forget where exactly where he's from. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it slowly started getting traction and it slowly made its way over here. Again, why it was made into a movie, and then now because well, the movie got 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 some traction. That behemoth them doing solid adaptations of it it's like yo let's just re-release it um on on the west side on the western hemisphere as a comic because that's that's what it was too so, so it's really cool that we, we actually get this re-release almost like a destiny new york take uh take
1: nice
0: and so yeah so it's basically a str- if you've seen the movie you are pretty much going to get it straight up in pages which is cool because it is a comic made movie um and in this case for this one it just where we last, I guess the, the last one left off at the. Uh, if you're watching the movie with the with the book, it ended on like the 20 minute mark, and now in this one, it's kind of like more like around halfway. It's like the movie is where we're kind of ended, so it's cool. I mean, it's just like if you've seen the movie, you, you know where you're gonna get in these pages. Yeah.
1: Nice. All right, guys, time to move on to the big two. Yes. However, Josue, hmm. I have something I'd like to do real quick. Ooh, what is it? Um, I just noticed something on on Twitter. Okay. That I want to send over to you. So okay. what we're going to do is we're going to pause this recording okay. and we're both going to watch a very brief video. <laughs> okay. Because the first trailer for why the last man has dropped. Oh, I did see that. So somebody shared it earlier. I was like, Oh wait. Do you want to watch it real quick? Oh the, yeah. We, we can definitely it? watch Since it. We're in DC. It's vertigo. Yeah, let's know, do it. So. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back guys. We're back. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know why the last man was a comic book published by Vertigo, which is an imprint of DC. That's why I waited till now to watch this because we're starting DC's our section and, uh, it's considered one of the best comics ever made. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that's even controversial to say. It's for sure going to be on people's top 10 and top fives. Yeah. And, um, fuck that trailer was amazing. I'm so fucking excited. (laughs)
0: Those, the opening sequences, the, the, the pandemic like happening like coming down like those there was literally ripping it from the pages yep. like the the paramedic lady and the, the ambulance scene like oh you can just oh, hero, you can just yeah. remember that part those moments holy shit also york pretty hot dude <laughs> pretty yeah hot I, I, was, I was kind of because i did like the the, the last actor because he has like that that weird face i just i just liked yeah. him for york uh but as soon as, he was as soon supposed as, to be kind of an average looking dude that was yeah. what I
1: always gathered you know but oh totally but I'll,
0: I'll take it But but we were getting a bunch of a bunch of like quick one liners, and then we finally there was a he actually had his one liner. We actually get to hear him, so like a a good solid second, and I was like, yeah, no, I I I like this guy. I'm
1: very happy with all the casting. Oh, dude, me too. Me too. So, all right, so but this is a comic book podcast, so we are (laughs) going to talk about comic books, and uh, we're going to go ahead and start into our DC group now. I'm going to do something we don't do very often. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with a graphic novel. Oh, oh, yes, that's right. So I picked up the new graphic novel. I am not Starfire. Okay. Uh, written by Mariko Tamaki and drawn by Yoshio Um, So this is sure. a YA graphic novel. Um, and it's about the daughter of Starfire who doesn't have powers and is short and stocky. And for some reason, a lot of people online, the usual suspects you can imagine, hated this book before it even came out. Yeah. Um, because they're like, that doesn't look like Starfire. And they were like, literally, that's the plot, is that she doesn't look like Starfire. And then they're like, why does she have black hair? And we're like, because she's a goth. And they're like, but she should have. Well, you find out first page that she has the same color hair as Starfire. She dyes it. So, yes. Like, you idiots. Wait for books to come out before you decide to shit on them. Anyways. I don't want to get too angry. Uh, also let her by a DT bit of car by the way. Okay. Um, so very much her story has been like it's almost like being a daughter of a celebrity. Everybody knows who she is and she's had to deal with it her entire life. Uh, she goes to school, there's kids there that are like Teen Titans super fans. Mhm. And they're just like, "How's your mom?" Is she all fighting, you know? They're like, "What's she doing?" you know, and, and stuff like that. So um yeah it, it's just uh really interesting basically like looking at it from her perspective she she can't um she can't live a normal life it's just just the way it is you know the, that's the, the giant it's, it's... shadow oh there you go yeah so um gotcha so yeah it's just really interesting and i i love the design of her and i know that was the big criticism yeah. So, like, even when she did look like her mom before she dyed her hair, like again, she was short and stocky. That's just her, the way her body's built. Mm-hmm. It's like here's here's the very first shot you see is the two of them. Yeah, and a very important thing about this book is we don't know who her father is. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert: we don't find out who her father is. Okay, it's never revealed. It's mentioned a couple times, and it's hinted that it's important. You can draw your own conclusions. Okay. Um, and there's a couple different answers, honestly. So, But basically, her storyline is that she's going to school. She decides she doesn't want to go to college. Uh, she's just rebelling against everything. She has a best friend named Lincoln, who is cute as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, she has a crush. Uh, one of her, uh, her classmates, which is Claire. Claire's the pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also really athletic. So she's not just like the snobby pretty girl. She's like the captain of all the sports teams and stuff, which I thought was cool. They could have easily just made her, you know, cheerleader, but I thought it was cool that she's like an actual athlete and stuff. So, um, and there's lots of little bits about how she has to deal with like Tamaranian things like her mother thought a good housewarming gift was a bag of wet bread and stuff like that. You know, just dumb little starfire moments that we all yeah. love. Um, it definitely took inspiration from the cartoon Starfire, not the Starfire prior to that. Okay. Um, so, but I, I really, really enjoyed this, and basically, it's about her coming to grips with this girl that she likes and pretty clearly likes her, but she doesn't. She, she has so much self hatred she can't let it happen. Yeah, you know what I mean. And meanwhile, also dealing with the fact that her, and her mother just don't get along. So there's a couple cool spreads like this where it's just one of them on one side and the other on the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, there's a couple of things like that, and it's just really cool. She talks about her birthdays and how she always spends her birthdays. Her mom always has her, like, basically an outside barbecue every year. And it's, like, under the sun, and you're like, okay, that's interesting. And there are cameos of the other Titans. So, like, you can see one of her birthdays here. Mm -hmm. the the five main titans are there yeah these boys a fucking hyena (laughs) so um but yeah it's just really interesting you're trying to figure out what's going on um and she ends up like hanging out with the chick and they get along really well and the chick takes a picture with the titans when they come to visit and she's like you're not interested in me you're interested in the titans it becomes a whole thing between them but then who shows up but Blackfire. Mm. So she shows up, and she's basically like, "You, you are your daughter, your mother's daughter. You're a threat to my rule. Basically, like you could technically claim the throne. So we need to basically have a fight to the death to determine who could be queen." And Starfire's like, "I'm going to take care of it." And so they end up having this fight. She designs a cool little costume for herself. Oh, that's so, cool! Yeah. And they're fighting and stuff And um Starfire goes down And there's this really cool thing because her whole thing is like I'm the anti-Starfire because I'm nothing like my mother Yeah And then she's like She's like now Star, or Darkfire takes down uh, Or Blackfire takes down uh, Starfire She's like now I see for the first time the true opposite of my mother This person who only wants to see the end of things Who wants nothing but violence and revenge The anti-Starfire isn't me It's her and she like kinda comes to grips with her, her mom and she's like, I'll I'll protect you, mom, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, her eyes start glowing. Oh, that's cool. And her powers awaken. Now, look carefully at this. Yeah. That that's a that's green. Yes. But that's a specific shade of green. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that leads me to one of my ideas. So, uh but basically she ends up becoming a superhero in the end and she ends up with the girl and get a bunch of cute lesbian pictures which I love. <laughs> so, and they end up together and yeah, it's great. And they still, you know, again, she's she still maintains her aesthetic. It, you know she I mean? is,
0: but I like that touch where she's like growing her growing out her roots now though. Yeah, exactly. Like she's okay so. with her hair now.
1: And then Starfire's like, or like they're like, have you picked a hero name? She's like, I'm gonna stick with Mandy for now, which is her real name. Oh, okay. And Starfire's like, I like it. She's like, but my full name is Mandy the Destroyer. <laughs> and it's a very Bakugo moment where she's just like on fire and shit. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. So, um, but there is a moment where we get this shot of Nightwing and Starfire together.
0: Oh, <laughs> the <Not> Nightwing. <laughs> so.
2: Is it's there a really Nightwing
1: good. booty shot? Huh? Is there a Nightwing booty shot? Just to be sure. Oh, there's a killer one. I forgot that about like, that. that me and Liz are making jokes about him. Like some things never change. It's canon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a a, killer booty a, shot. The constant in the universe. There it is. Yeah, it's actually done in a way that's very much like. Look at this booty shot. Like it was. <laughs> it made me laugh. Like they knew exactly what they were doing. Basically, uh, I'll find it real quick. But um, so it's never revealed who her father is. Uh, me and Liz have a couple ideas. Uh, we don't think it's Nightwing. Mm -hmm. Even though that last shot kind of hints that it was Nightwing all along. Okay, here's the booty shot. It's so plump. It's just like, (laughs) it's it's out there. (laughs) It's wonderful. (laughs) So, um, I... I think it's someone attached to a Green Lantern storyline. Ooh. Uh, Because that's a very specific shade of green.
0: It is is a very emerald green,
1: yes. Yeah, so... They leave it open. There is the shot of her and Dick together at the end, so maybe. Uh, maybe the green is just, you know, that's just the color she turns. I tried to think of a Green Lantern. None of them are age-appropriate. Yeah. That are male, at least. Right. My only thought was Obsidian, but he's gay. That's true, yeah. I mean, no, no, um, yeah. Even though there's like also... A- Early on, what seems to be like maybe early showing of her powers is some some lights are going out around her, and he has darkness powers. So I was like, hmm. maybe, but and who knows? It could have been a you know a sperm donor. Who knows? You know, so. it is an Elseworlds story. I mean, yeah, technically
0: it technically an Elseworlds. So um, I, I ended up seeing um, a pretty lengthy uh, review for for this book because I, I I was just, like curious like what this book was all about. And again, like after all the fucking negativity around surrounding it. Like I want, I wanted to see like I, I, it was a good analytical video, and I guess like my, my not reading it, but like getting kind of like the rundown of it. I guess like the one criticism I I would agree with is just like, I get, particularly with Starfire, it's just uh, the way that they wrote her too much like the cartoon, where it's just been like uh, you're obviously a mom. It's been a while, and like you're obviously a mom, like you're still like a little too aloof. But I guess that's that's the character. But it's just like you've been on Earth for a while that you kind of get how some things work.
1: Yeah. Um. I think that was done intentionally and it is a YA for, book. I get it. Well, for a good reason, because the main thing is to emphasize how different they are from each other. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to do that is for starfire to still not be really like, you know, yeah. Adapted fully. Um, and, and and yeah, like you said, it is a YA book. Um, so I, I really liked it. I think it would be really good for a lot of young women to read this one. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, especially queer young women. It was. It's a really cute love story, and I loved it. It was really good. So, That's good. That's uh, cool. Fully, highly recommend. Um, all right. So moving on to my only solo DC book, actual comic, Green Lantern number five, deluxe cover. Oh, so I did see it's a good one. Sojo Bolt, so good. Um, so this one again, this story takes place in two parts. I'll start with the second one actually. Um, it is, uh, John Stewart, as we revealed on the last issue, um, was on this planet with these people after everybody was destroyed and he ended up saving these aliens from some slavers and now they're all like, you know, it's your fault. They were here. And he's like, no, absolutely not. And he's like, listen, they're, they're going to come back. They're going to come back for you. Cause he's like, I'm a bonus. They were here to enslave you, to make money off enslaving you basically. So he's like, we got to get you guys out of here. They're able to build the ship and get them all out off of the planet. And um, so they take him back to the the Green uh, Lantern-like base, and that's when he's reunited with the other Lanterns. They find out he's alive. Some of them are upset that he's still alive and a bunch of other ones died. It's going to be a whole thing going forward. But um, it's really interesting. That also ties directly back into... Um, the main story which was about Teen Lantern and in the last issue, Teen Lantern found out that one of the head suspects for what happened to the Green Lantern planet is Sinestro and not waiting to see if that actually is it took off to go find Sinestro uh, there's a sexy shot here of Sinestro in bed with these two ladies oh damn, yeah. Sinestro fucks which is, which is great, Sinestro fucks exactly <laughs> um so Teen Lantern shows up and just wrecks the Sinestro Core on her own, basically, because she's all she's all instinct. She's all rage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so she's just absolutely wrecking them. And in the end, one of the Yellow Lanterns manages to get in her head and make her scared, basically, because she's not been trained properly. So she doesn't have the psychic defenses. Uh, So she's able to stop her like that. But then they're like, Jesus Christ, this kid's a powerhouse, basically. That's where that one kind of leaves off. It's pretty good. I'm really enjoying the Green Lantern run. I like that it's not the Green Lantern core, but it is, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think it's pretty cool. So, all right. uh, Switching to Josue's DC books. Let's talk about Nice House on the Lake (sighs) 3.
0: Cool. Um, So I like that this book, I think this book is going to be. It is a mini so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten it'll probably be a 10 issue mini because every issue has kind of has started to focus on a particular member that's been that's stuck at the house now and this book is uh, again like I said it just starts with a different character and like the way it starts it's like I'm not sure if it'll it'll end with them just going their separate ways like if they're able to crack this wall this invisible wall and they go their the, the separate ways or at least uh, they might be going back to where they're from and just maybe and maybe saying goodbye and ending it all where like they were they were meant to be all this time along because it's just like it's weird because like it's these pages i'm talking about and they're mm. talking they're talking to no one like and these pages like they're talking they're literally talking to someone but they're talking to nobody at least like nobody that you can see it's almost like they're breaking the fourth wall and they're talking to you and they're they're having this weird like it's almost like a talking head or slash confessional and in this case it was just like and they're they're always talking about walter the one that invited them there to just quote unquote save them from the end of the world um but obviously it's like well, well, well why the fuck why, why can't we be over there why weren't we over there why couldn't you just tell us to so we could save everyone else and that's when walter just disappears he literally just vanishes so Mm -hmm. in this case it's confessional uh this friend is just like yeah no walter was like actually the first person i came out to like i had closer friends i I literally had closer gay friends but i I just somehow just felt safer with walter and that's that's who i chose so i was like okay so like so walter was really a fucking friend and you do get to find this out in the other uh, points in the other two issues where it's just like i guess like once walter becomes like your friend he almost gets like not fixated on you in a creepy way, but he really just goes all out for, to be your friend. Um, but literally almost until a next person shows up that he wants to be friends with. And it almost is like, also, but not in a dickish way, leaves you behind or trades trades one friend for another. It's almost like he's just growing his pack, but he's just making sure that this new person stays in, it stays in part of his circle. So it's kind of like he cares or like, what's he searching for to, Right. in choosing these people like did he always know because it's kind of alluded to that he did uh, so it's just it's just fucking weird and so we come back to now to the present story on yeah the 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 whole gang being like some I guess when we last left off the couple that was just starting to go a little crazy and they're kind of like let's just make a routine out of this and like maybe actually listen to what Walter left left for us and the, while the rest of the party is just like we got to figure out how to get the fuck out of here. And so it becomes like now t- two parts are, are starting to divide. And now, yeah, so like I said, we're focusing on this character now on Sam and he's just like, not having it. He's just like, like, no, like fuck your movie night. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to figure this shit out. So he just goes down and just like, until so he hits like the invisible wall and just grabs a stick and just starts figuring out, figuring out a perimeter. And along the way he starts seeing other statues similar to the ones that they all, already know of, the one, if you touch it, you kind of, you see your, you just see the front image of your, of your home and how it is now as like the end of the world. So you, you see if they see a bunch of bodies or a bunch of their relatives just there. So he's just trying to figure it out on how to get out of here. And at some point he finds this weird, like not, not maze. It was just like a weird, elaborate setup. And, and part of it, it's just like a weird black, like, uh obsidian like cube on a cube type of thing is it's very like it's not from here and he starts tapping in he thinks walters and he starts screaming at it has like a little moment for himself that was meant to be for walters ears but nobody's started to listen to to it until he's kind of like well fuck it i'll just go back home until so we get a reveal that another friend might be like someone someone that they don't really get along with is inside the fucking black cube and it stuck there, and actually heard this shit, and was able, to, and was screaming out to Sam, being like, "Save me, save me!" <laughs> yeah, uh, but guess who's there to to hear and witness this? Creepy ass ghost ass Walter, and it's like, and, he, and just waves at him instead, and it's like, "What the fuck is this guy planning, or what does he know?" And then, uh, yeah, it's just, ugh, it's just weird. It's just hella weird, and I, I, I fucking love it that we get like. Um, when it's a when it's a James Tynan week, it's always like what two books like per week. Like last time it was yeah. a de- I it, Department of Truth and what else come what else came out? It was like the, it, it was this creepy ones. Yeah. And then this week, and then fucking this week we had nice Dance on the Lake and wind. Yeah. <laughs> oh something's killing children, of
1: course. Last week. Yeah, of course, yeah. Alright. And then uh the last D C book we got, uh for solo is Swamp Thing Six. The
0: Swamp Thing Six. Um Oh, sorry. Full team. Of course, I just mentioned James Tinian. Uh, sorry, oh. now since on the left, it's also, where is this team? There's Artist and Cover by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, Colors by Jody Belair, and Lettering by And World. Now, The Swamp Thing is by the amazing Rom V. And, of course, DC, these credits. Ah, easy. Okay, cool. Artists is by Mike Perkins, Colors by Mike Spicer, and Aditya Bidikar with the Lettering. Uh, a quick issue. It's uh, literally setting up for probably the, the final battle. This is issue six out of ten. And in the last issue, we find that old uh hidden, uh, was supposed to be a dud, but it was actually slowly a, a live Nazi bomb that was supposed to set off somewhere in Europe. And Swamp Thing was able to find it underground and then resurface it somewhere else in an island where nobody was there. And then kaboom. So now Swamp Thing has to re- uh, reanimate himself, and Levi feels everything. We get we got an opening shot of a helicopter dropping this like nasty green bomb. And that whole time to- the whole time, I think probably because of this weird poison, it's like it made Levi feel like everything of the of the resurrection process. Like he literally feels like the void of nothingness. And then it all starts with like his eye forming back and then like sl- then coming back after that and like reforming the whole thing. It is not a ple- a, a pleasant uh, th- uh, thing. Now the helicopter that was that dropped that nasty bomb is coming back to the story that I was dreading this whole time. And that's the suicide squad, <laughs> specifically because it's perfect timing, peacemaker, suicide squad, <laughs> at least for sure, at least for sure, peacemaker. It's also a nightmare nurse, um, parasite and. A, a flamethrower dude, we'll get to him in a second. So, the whole, the, the whole thing is that Amanda Waller wants Swamp Thing because obviously because she sees him as a weapon, sends the suicide squad to retrieve it to retrieve him. Um, but, but of course, just sends a bunch of madmen. Uh, party splits up, it's pretty much find him, preferably alive, but because these are a bunch of bad people, it's um, god damn it. This, 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 the flamethrower dude is like the one that finds him first, and he's literally just starts throwing reeking fire everywhere. It really rushes the process for Levi, the resurrection process for Levi. And he starts like just jumping around, throwing like vines at him, but obviously it's not working against fire. And so he just jumps to the river and like falls a 30 foot waterfall. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm not going to fucking go there. <laughs> I'm not going to follow him. And so he gets forced to, and the whole time Levi is just having this um, memory. Cause again, we find out the part of the power of the green is that the green remembers everything. So it also starts triggering part of his memories, a memory that he didn't really want to remember, but obviously it's, it's it'll correlate back to part of the story. So it's, it's at this point, he was kind of going to die by, he was going to drown. But then the part of the whole story is, uh, it, it kind of all came around back to like, back to mud. So as he's sinking into like the river, of course, we're in a swamp, and the mud takes oh shit takes over, and he's able to come back out. And this whole time, and and the last page is just like him popping back out against uh, the the flamethrower dude. That's just like it's just waiting for 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 he's waiting for backup so that they, so they can go find the body. Uh, so yeah, it's just pretty
1: much it's pretty much just uh, setting up the fight. Gotcha. All right. Um, and then we have two shared DC books. Oh, it's, sorry, it's oh. heat wave. It's heat wave, and chemo is also a ra- as a random part of the Suicide Squad. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Our first shared DC book is Crush and Lobo number three. Ah, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so deluxe cover. Oh damn, it's a really good one. Yeah, it's like a family portrait kind of thing. I just I, I fucking loved her vest and those arms. Oh yeah, dude. I love how, how they draw her. She's great. Written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Alan K. Nahopan. Colored by Tamra Von and lettered by Ariana Mayer. So Crush finally makes it see her father in prison. And they have a moment. And they talk, and it seems like, you know, maybe he's maybe he's turning it around. I love the fact that there's a prison riot going on behind them while they're just <laughs> yes. talking. That's very logo. I love that. And him just basically being like. You know, I, you're the only person I'll ever really love. You know, you're my daughter and stuff. And you're like, oh, Lobo, you're being sweet.
2: Well,
1: mm-hmm. uh, betrayal rears its ugly head as we find out that Lobo basically switched trackers with her so that now he appears to be the guest and she is the inmate. And he strolls out of the prison and leaves her as an inmate in the prison. So, what a dick, first of all. I think She knew um, this, too. <laughs> yeah, but it is Lobo. I mean, what do you expect?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, yeah, I'm really curious to see where this goes, how she gets out. Um, and, of course, if she gets back with her girlfriend, because that's the most important part of this story. Yeah, we get another flashback sequence, too, about it, yeah. about them. About how she's being... Like attacked and late for a date. Mm-hmm. Like I'm literally being attacked by aliens. <laughs> like, so I fucking you brought up the the prison riot
0: scene. I fucking love that we got a full uh circle on the praying mantis story. Yes,
3: going <laughs> to bring was that just up. So
1: buddy <laughs> Yeah. Like and then now they're buddies. Like Lobo's <laughs> they're <buddy>. so <laughs> now. <laughs> so good. Um, but I'm really enjoying this book. It's really fun. I know it's a mini. I can't remember if it's five or six. Uh, eight. Eight? Yeah, oh, shit.
0: There was the, at least like some of them. Oh, I didn't
1: there. even look for it. Um. So, okay. Um. Yeah, it just says three on this. So, okay, cool. Um. But, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. So, we're not even halfway yet. That's yeah. And then our last DC book is Sensational Wonder Woman number six. I uh, fucking love this one. So, deluxe cover.
0: Oh, uh, whoa. Oh, that's a good one, too. It's sick. Yeah.
1: So um, it almost looks painted. Uh, so written by Cena Grace, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, penciled by Paul Pelletier. Inked by Norm Rappin. Colored by Adriana Lucas. Letter by Becca Carey. Um, so in this one, basically, we have Diana interrupting a bunch of Amazons that are attacking Parliament. Mm-hmm. In England, and it's like, well, what? Oh, it was actually the Westminster. Westminster is where they're attacking. It's like, what's going on? She stops them, and she finds out that they are being controlled by Queen Bee. And she's like, well, we're going to stop that. So she ends up going back to Themyscira, finds out that Queen Bee has basically taken over the entire island and many of her rogues. <laughs> yeah. So she has to basically defend herself against all this. And there's an awesome moment where she's basically like, hey, she lays down the challenge. I'll take on all of your fucking people. (laughs) And if I lose, you know, you can make me one of your people. Queen Bee's like, all right. And then we just get this cool, awesome, like, series of fights where, you know, Diana takes on all these different bad guys. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Like, it, it is kind of the who's who. Obviously, Cheetah's not there, you know? Yeah. But, like, a lot of the big Wonder Woman ones are there. I particularly enjoyed the Giganta fight, personally.
0: Yeah, it almost seems like they got away with it by Giganta's, like, leopard print suit.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. Uh, but I do love Giganta. It's really cool. And, yeah, it's just a really cool fight. Again, we talked about this book a lot, how it's just... Um, Episodic, mythology-esque. Um, not really tied to each other. Yeah. Mythology is a good way to put it. It's like stories. Yes. It's just, hey, look at this story, so... And what um, I- so go for
0: it oh um what i say what, what i fucking loved about this book is like yeah like honestly then this will be a book like, i gotta get the last one um sometimes some trying to save money on new comic day so this yeah. will be this book because i'm i am buying the other the continuous uh wonder woman book so this one will be more on like on the who for the creative process for this one um this one being seen grace for sure i had to read my take on his version of wonder woman totally and I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I fucking did because it just does something great to Diana. Or he does something great to Diana. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure it was his pitch, um, for this part, uh, based on her, on Wonder Woman's history. When she shows up to Temescaria, and at first it was distracting because I fucking love when Wonder Woman, when Wonder Woman shows up with like not a toga, but not a cape, but when she's, yeah. when she's rocking around like that cape, thing that she's that she's wearing she looks awesome right. i fucking love when she's when she does that and it wasn't until she starts fighting in the arena where she's would be so she wouldn't be entranced by queen b she rocks she rocks the lasso in perfect bondage did you notice that yeah yeah like so, in, to, like,
1: so to protect herself That's yeah but what she offers
0: the take but the in lasso. the style where she's wrapped around it's like it's literally in perfect bondage but it's where oh. she can be loosened up. It's like the way it's tied up. I multiple, didn't notice it. The way it's tied up. <laughs> but, but that does make sense. Actually. It does make sense now, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Go back in those pages. It's mostly in the arena where you, where you get to see it. The way it's double, ba- double wrapped or triple wrapped around so it's like for safety so it doesn't like r- like starts like rashing around. It's just like, oh, like the history of that part is like, why isn't that kind of utilized more? And then not even in a sexual way. It's just like, she's literally using it to, for protection. And it's, just, it's just so yeah. badass. And that, that's what, it literally put the icing on the cake for this issue for me.
1: Yeah, it's been really good. It's it's you know it's almost like an ongoing anthology. Yeah, yeah. So I really dig it. But that wraps it up for DC this week, guys. Next, we're going to talk about our final publisher. As always, we are going to wrap up with Marvel Comics. Yes. Now, it was a small week of Marvel for both of us, but specifically yeah. for Hostway. Hostway does not have any solo books. Yeah. So, so I'm going to blow through mine really quick. Um, my first one is Star Wars: War of the Bounty Hunters for Lom and Zuckus, number one. Um, Forlar and Zuckus are really popular characters in the Star Wars fandom. Mm-hmm. They're bounty hunters. One is uh, <laughs> they're very hard to explain. We'll talk about them in a second. <laughs> Written by Daniel Jose Older. Uh, drawn by Keizama. Uh, colored by Felipe Sobrero. And lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, so basically they're, they're a team. And they always work together. Uh, Zuckus is kind of like a bug mantis thing. Um, you've probably seen him before okay I think he was in I think he was an empire or no Jedi I think he was in Jedi mm-hmm. um and then forlam is uh his partner who is a droid and uh, but forlam is still like awfully like he's the tall one here oh, I is see. like insect like yeah so basically what happens here is they get separated. And Zuckus is a very comedic character in that he just constantly complains that he used to have a partner. Like, he'd see people like talking. He's like, I used to have someone to talk to. Like, that's the whole book is him basically being like, I, everybody's like, we know you used to have a partner. <laughs> and then he finds out, basically, the bad guy of the book is a bad guy that they accidentally killed his brother, thinking it was him. It was pretty funny. It was like the way it was done. Um, he flashes back to when they killed this bad guy who was like this evil bad guy. And he's like, Oh my God, uh, you ki- We killed you. We cut you in half. Dr. S- uh, Sirebriz. And he's like, no, you insolent maggot. Yeah, it was my brother. Sphere <laughs> And I said, mama zoo's always said we favored each other. And then it gets really dumb where his is. And I love it. Where his brother was actually a good guy. And he's just like, you know, you need, to, you need to do the right thing, brother. You know, don't, you know, he, he's a philanthropist, you know, and all this stuff. And then they end up killing him because they thought it was his brother. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Uh, but then in the end, um, Forlom comes back, but he's been hacked. And he doesn't recognize Zuckus. And he ends up leaving and Zuckus is left alone. And it's really sad. But I think that's going to play into the rest of the War of the Bounty Hunters because this was totally a side story. Oh, okay. I didn't really attach to it at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which leads us to War of the Bounty Hunters. Bounty Hunters number 15. Uh, this one's written by Ethan Sachs, drawn by Paolo Villanelli, colored by Reef Prianto, a letter by Travis Lanham. This is the one that's following Valance and Dangar, the other Bounty Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's pretty cool, actually. they um, It's just them preparing to go to the auction essentially. And they end up recruiting this hottie. Ooh, Barry. Yeah. And he was, he's like a pit fighter. So they end up, or, uh, they end up recruiting him and everything. And it's just a whole fight going on. It was an action filled one. And then who shows up, but <laughs> no, shows shit. up. so he's in both books this week. And it's just a lot of fun. Uh, not a lot. So much happens as much as they get, uh, the invitation to the auction house. So they're going to be at the auction too, which already happened, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, um, I think they're just catching up all the side characters to get to that point. So something huge is going to happen because they're making sure everybody's at the same point before they move on. So, uh, moving on Avengers 47. Now I'm not a normal Avengers reader. And, but yeah, it was a very cute cover. Yeah. Jimmy Woo. Is a hottie. <laughs> and so Lee and Hyuk did that cover. Basically, if there's an AAPI cover, guys, just assume I bought it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so written and drawn by Jason Aaron and Javier Garom. Uh, colored by David Curiel and lettered by Corey Petit. So this is the beginning of World War She-Hulk. So I'm kind of glad I popped it. Okay. Uh, what happened is, The Winter Guard, which is the, you know, the Russian Avengers, Mm -hmm. they kidnapped um, Green or kidnapped She-Hulk, right? Almost a green She-Hulk. Like, (laughs) I know they kidnapped her Ursa Major, the big dude that turns into a bear. Yeah. Objected. So Red Widow killed him. Oh, who
0: who also just made their MCU uh, appearance. First mutant MCU appearance.
1: Wasn't Ursa Major? Yeah, that's right. I forgot. He's the big dude. I thought you were about Red Widow for a second. I was like, "Yeah." So, so he got killed by his own people, and basically, the Avengers. It took the Avengers a while to find where they took She Hulk, and it's just up in the Siberian tundra. So they attack, and they attack attack in waves. It's really cool because it's up in the tundra. Cap and Iron Man have all white camouflage on.
0: Okay, they actually look pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: So the idea is they're like we're going to free her. So they bust in. Um, and you see that Jennifer, she Hulk that is, Mm -hmm. is being subjected basically to the red room, red room brainwashing. Oh, she's been there for weeks. And they're just trying to get her to be just the Hulk. Ignore Jennifer, just the Hulk. And other things happen. Um, at Captain Marvel comes in, there's a really cool moment where Captain Marvel's like coming in hot. And then Darkstar who should be on Krakoa. Young lady is like like it's cool. So you get this shot of, of Carol and then you get Darkstar taking off from the ground, right? Yeah. And then uh Carol says, Team three, I could use an airstrike right now. And there's just a lightning bolt, and then she's just laying on the ground with a hammer next to her. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like thanks, Thor. <laughs> like <laughs> and so they they're able to free Jen, and Jen kills the entire winter guard in a rage cool all work. of them and it's kind of left on this question of does she know who's who what's going on and the red widow does survive i should say she's like you know she's reporting to her superiors like it's done you know it cost us the entire winter guard but um uh, the asset has been successfully deployed and will proceed as instructed. The target will die. Of this, I have no doubt. Yes, sir. She is ours now. And this reveal is so good. Our Winter Hulk. Oh. Oh, damn. Yeah. So. Oh, shit. I'm kind of curious. I might pick up this crossover because I loved World War Hulk. So, World War Shield.
0: Yeah, so d- definitely like, uh, upload these codes for sure. Like these event books, these crossover oh, event
1: yeah. books. Definitely so. Next one. Guardians of the Galaxy annual number one. (laughs) I love this book. (laughs) Okay. It's it's fucking ridiculous, though. I'm just going to start with... Okay. Written by Al Ewing. Having the most fun he's ever had in his career. I don't (laughs) have to ask him. Okay. Artist is Flaviano. Colorist is Rochelle Rosenberg. And letterist is Corey Petit. This is about two members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's about Hercules and it's about the Prince of Power. Okay. Now... You might ask, who the fuck's the Prince of Power? <laughs> he's a character that showed up out of nowhere and joined the Guardians for some reason. And and I was I remember when he showed up, I was like, wait, his name's Prince of Power, isn't that Hercules's nickname? That's a real dick move. <laughs> That's addressed here. So Hercules, <laughs> Hercules is at a bar, and he's like, yeah, I'll take a scrollian juice, no intoxicants. And the guy's like, Hercules is ordering a non-alcoholic drink. You're ordering juice, <laughs> and he's like. He's just like, Hey man, I'm getting old. You know, it's like, I'm happier now and all this stuff. And, and then fucking Prince of power bombs in. So Prince of power looks like a douchier Namor, basically. Okay. Uh, so he, uh, basically is gets, gets in Hercules's face and he's like friends with Hercules. That's him right there. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, friends. With Hercules. He's, like, hey, my friend, we're both members of the guardians. And he's like, it's the Prince of power. And then, uh, Hercules is like, um, no, that's my name. He's like, haha, very funny. He's like, you know, he's like, imagine not knowing, you know, me who vanquished you in Glorious Combat. And then the editor note says, an inaccurate retelling of Guardians of the Galaxy 5. Huh. And then Hercules says, Glorious Combat, you threw a tantrum at me and then I threw you and the fight was over. And then the editor thing says, an accurate retelling of Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> <laughs> And so. Basically, he's, he's getting attacked by people. They're trying to get the emerald from him that he stole. And then, the rest of the book is a flashback. Oh, okay, They never tell you what's going on with the emerald. It doesn't matter. That's the joke. The rest of it is literally telling you who the fuck the Prince of Power is. This is the biggest troll job Al Ewing's ever done, and I fucking love it. <laughs> I love it. This is a character no one gives a shit about. So, basically, this king, this medieval king on a faraway land, on a plan called Muscula. Uh, gives birth. Or has a child. Uh, that's like created. It's, it's, she doesn't actually give birth to it. It goes through a gestation matrix. And it's this little child. With maximum heroic power. And this picture of this little kid. This baby. Oh is already God. flexing his guns. Seriously. It's adorable. <laughs> that is not the prince of power. By the way. <laughs> She's like, oh, look at him. He's so great. I will name him Magistar, hero of the noblore. She's like, I can't help noticing you brought another one. He's like, ah, so you said you didn't want to take chances, your highness. So he enacted the air and a spare protocol. (laughs) It's like sometimes the thing sometimes hero magic doesn't quite take. And then there's this baby. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's the prince of power. Jeez. And she's like, that's a very ordinary baby. He's like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> she's like, an evil thing would be something, but he's just drab. And he's like, indeed. Like, you sure he's a prince on technicality? Yes, your highness. <laughs> like, it's just, like, don't worry, we have Magistar. And they basically make the other one an accountant. And then it cuts back to Hercules. He's like, I don't care about any of this. It's like, tell me about the emerald. And he's like, ah, but yes, let me finish this first. <laughs> so this is where it gets ridiculous. Um he becomes an accountant, and he's obsessed with jelly beans, and he's just like a slimy dude. He's sitting there, and his boss is mad at him. Meanwhile, Magistar grew into the hero he was born to be. You ready for this? Look familiar at all? Yeah. Oh By my the power God. of Noblar, <laughs> bicep,ter abdomina, leg day, leg day. There's a character leg, leg day. day. <laughs> Join me, my friends, as we fight the good fight against the Dreadland evilus. And it's sinister ruler, Scullion. Oh my god! Yeah, it's just a Masters of the universe. Yeah, or it's fucking amazing. And then there's this. It does like a Saturday morning cartoon thing, where I'm gonna I'm gonna literally read Skeletor or Rapskullion's entire speech. <laughs> well, well, I'll be fighting the evil fight because to me, evil is good, and by good, I mean evil. So there, <laughs> now if you excuse me i have to tell this orphan that santa claus isn't real it was your parents all along little girl <laughs> and then the girl's like <gasps> and then Magister is like you unspeakable fiend he's like but once again your wicked plots create their own defeat rub scullion and, and this is where it gets fucking weird he walks up to the girl he's like Susie, remember how your parents were horribly killed in the gruesome toboggan accident before your very eyes she's like yes he goes and they couldn't very well be Santa Claus and be mangled at the in a mangled heap at the bottom of the crevasse, could they? Oh. There goes Santa's real. She's like,
2: yeah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking weird. And so what you find out is that the planet's divided into halves. Half of it's good, half of it's evil. And there's a secret wizard. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. It Who's like, we must maintain the balance, basically. Well, we go back to we go back to the other twin, the spare He's eating jelly beans and in the stack is a rocky purple jelly bean that ends up being.
0: No, the fucking stone.
1: An infinity stone. Oh, motherfucker. And he swallows it and becomes insanely attractive and powerful. So he starts off looking like that. And oh, And he ends my up looking God. like that. Jesus Christ. And he says, it was an infinity stone. or is it? I want to get the exact quote. And not one of the boring ones either. <laughs> so, and oh, his name is Other One, by the way. His real oh, name God. is Other One. So he gets fired for, you know, transforming into being a being of pure muscle during work hours. <laughs> he does a bunch of a bunch of shit, and the wizard's like, huh, oh, this this guy's great, you know? And he basically says the Prince of Power is only as strong as his intellect. And he's like, So you need to learn. Well, the Prince of Power takes a cheat by basically getting... Basically smart for dummies, is the idea. Is the yeah. Point. And he cheats his way to being stronger. <laughs> um, he ends up leading everybody to S- Skeletor. Let's just say Skeletor's yeah. castle. And his brother's just like, brother, we shouldn't do this. We're not repelling repelling Rapscullion. We're invading his lands. This isn't how it's done. He doesn't even have a scheme. And then it comes to Rapscullion... At a barbecue grill. (laughs) And he says, he's right. This is No Scheme Tuesday. We're trying to have a barbecue. (laughs)
3: here."
1: And he's like, a barbecue of evil, no doubt. Gruesomely grilled on the flames of fetishness and slotted in the smoky sauce of sin. Take that fiend. And he goes, my rib witch. (laughs) That's when I personally lost it in this book. It was My Rib Witch. No Scheme Tuesdays. I love it. (laughs) And then basically... He takes the sword and kills Skeletor. So the problem is because he didn't maintain the balance. The planet destroys itself. Oh my God. He destroys the planet, planet and kills everybody on the planet except himself. He's floating in space. And he's like, and the only survivor was the one who unthinkingly caused its doom. And then it goes back to the main thing. They finished the fight and Hercules is still talking to him. He's like, how did you survive? He goes, I can hold my breath for 10 minutes. And he said, and the muscular minute is several standard days long. <laughs> like, and then he's like, and then they found me, and he's just like um, he's like, I know something of accidentally hurting those I care about. What you did, it must torment you. And he goes, ha-ha, it does, endlessly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. Like he's like, But I try not to think about it basically. <laughs> and then he offers to buy him a drink. Dude is fucking ridiculous. And this actually leads into the Nick Fury crossover with all the infinity stones to reveal that yes he does have the power stone. <laughs> like, absolutely ridiculous. And it does have the Nick Fury bit at the end continuing that story. Okay, so. This is fucking great. It was so <laughs> funny. Just the blatant ripoff of Master of the Universe. I loved it. I know it took quite a bit of time, but I don't care. Yeah, that was so. all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> my rib witch. <laughs> that's going to be the t- the title of the episode, by the way. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, uh, next, Silk number five. I got this variant cover because Silk is a sexy girl. Yeah. I love Silk so much. Um, written by Goo, drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa, colored by Ian Herring, and letter by Ariana Mayer. So her new big bad um, is uh, Saya Ishii, a fashion designer and tech genius and all this stuff. Well, basically, they're going to have to team up to take down a cat demon, is what it comes down to. And I'm not going to get into too much detail, because that's exactly what happens. They team up to take down a cat demon. It was really cool. It's a lot of, you know, Spider-Man-style fighting. Was it um, Inkblot crossover? <laughs> it's a big ass cat. They also <laughs> they also summon a demon, and the best part was, in the end, Kersher never sudden but inevitable trail. Um They're supposed to just stop the demon. Well, Ishii throws like a device into the cat demon's head, presses a button, and boom, blows him up from the inside. Oof so she's like no we weren't supposed to do that you know like it's like whatever i do what i want and then she finds out as she's as they're leaving that her th- her new therapist is ishii's brother and was on her the whole time so it <laughs> sucks um but yeah and then uh that's kind of the end of the arc uh there's also like it's actually the end of the series oh okay uh they did put on here that it's the end for now they're like, but Silk will be coming back. Just keep an eye out on whatever your comic book news. So
2: nice.
1: hopefully we'll see more. But I really like this run. I, I, li- I like Silk a lot. Um in this one she's working for Threats and Menaces. She's basically J. Jonah Jameson's like hero he approves of. Oh, he likes her as opposed to hating Spider Man. So <laughs> Interesting. So he's like cheering her on the whole time. So it makes it like a little and then she works at Threats and Menaces herself. So he's constantly talking to her about Silk and how great she is. God damn
0: so, it. She's literally just but on the Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the same part. spider spent her whole life studying all of his moves.
1: It's just, <laughs> yeah, fucking JJ. And then my last solo book is Web of Spider Man number three. I got a mm-hmm. variant cover, which is actually uh, Chris Sotomayor. Oh, that's a good like one. It. Hell yeah. Like it's cool. You might notice that's the Eiffel Tower. So, uh, written by Kevin Schnick. Artists by Alberto Albuquerque, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter by Travis Lanham. Um, so the team, the web of Spider-Man team is, of course, Spider-Man, Squirrel Girl, Harvey Keener, Onome, Moon Girl, and the Spider-Bots. Um, they accidentally knocked out the power in half of Manhattan, trying to save it. And Tony Stark is like, absolutely not. This is not acceptable. And he's like, I need your help with something. So you're going to Paris. And basically he locks them in a plane. So they can't get into trouble until he gets there, basically. Awesome. And they're flying, and they're like, "We're going to Paris." Basically, is their reaction to getting in trouble. And they're flying over Paris, and they're talking about, "Oh, like, oh, you know, there's an Eiffel Tower, just like in Las Vegas." They're like, "That's the real one." <laughs> Look at stuff like that. So, once again, Green Goblin shows up in Paris for some reason and attacks them and knocks out the the pilots and their plane and it starts going down. So they basically the the whole story of the issue is they have to find a way to um to save the plane to land it none of them know how to land it also the power is out and all this stuff and none of them know peter is spider-man okay so he has to pretend to just be peter parker the whole time and they just know him as the guy that makes all spider-man's gear so he's like oh i have some web shooters i made for spider-man that i was testing out i have them on me let me use (laughs) them it's pretty funny um and yeah, basically, it's it's kind of like a fun like cooperative story where they all have to do their part, and they do this really cool bit where um, they have the VTOL engines, which are the engines that you know normally face this way, but then rotate nine degrees to be like the vertical takeoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what VTOL stands for: vertical takeoff and landing. Okay. So, um, but because the power's out, it won't shift down, and that's what they need is they need to shift down to land softly. So. They they grab these two fire extinguishers and it's really cool. I liked this. They busted out the two windows, depressurize the cabin, and Pete like s- sprays web outside the cabin to both the engines to spin them around oh, to shit. make them work. So it was a cool little move on their part, and it, they landed it safely. And um, then they go tourist shopping and they go back and they what what he needed them to do was open his new web location in Paris and they're like, Ooh, it's going to be all fancy. And they walk in and it's literally the exact same lab. Everything is exactly the same. And they're like, what the hell? This is the same as our lab. Like, uh, and like, I thought this place was going to be different. And it says it is, it has one big improvement. (laughs) And my boy, Amadeus Cho shows up. Love it. And I'm so excited. I love Amadeus. He's just great. So good stuff. It's fun. It's a good young, younger, you know, read for a lot of people. So yeah, and focus on a lot of the young heroes in Marvel. So that's cool. All right, guys, we are going to move on to the four books that Mean Hosts we share, and then we're wrapping up. The first one I want to start with. Actually, I'm going to change this order right now before I even start. Let's start with Sinister War 2. There you go. Uh, so I got this cover. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So I think this is doing a good job of keeping me up to date, even though I'm not getting ASM. Mm-hmm. Like, ASM feels like the side story to the main story, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're probably,
0: like, the more personal ones, what's going on, and, then, and Peter Parker's
1: uh, uh, allies. Yeah. So, creative team. Written by Nick Nick Spencer and Ed Brisson. Mm-hmm. Penciled by Mark Bagley, Dio Jonas Nivis, mm-hmm. Carlos Gomez, and Zay Carlos. Inked by Andrew Hennessy, John Dell, Andy Owens, Carlos Gomez, and Zay Carlos. Colored by Brian Reber, and lettered by Joe Cara Magna these Spider-Man comics are killing me with these creative teams. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) So, basically, um, something's happening. Spidey's getting attacked by a bunch of villains, all in groups. Yeah. And he's attacked by the Wild Pack, the Sinister Syndicate, and the Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Well, it gets worse. Um, So, (laughs) basically, what we find out is that they are they are there to kill him. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of this is it's one long action scene of him just trying to run away and run into more villains and more villains and more villains and it getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and what we find out is that Kindred has approached all these villains and has said, whichever one of you basically kills Spider-Man can be my second in command. And he also demonstrates the fact that he can fuck them all up without even trying. Yeah. So that's kind of the motivation of this. It's why all these heroes are together. Um. And yeah, that's, I mean, that pretty much sets it up. It was very much an action driven one. So not too much like plot driven, but that's the main thing is that we get that, that information. That's what's going on.
0: Yeah. It, it comes to, it comes, it comes down to a point where like Peter or Spider-Man isn't even like, doesn't even have time to make quips. Like yeah. it's just like one punch, avoid, try to try to swing away next fucking guy same right. thing over and over it's like again it's supposed to be up to 30 fucking villains six
1: sinister teams it's yeah. ooh. it's all it's all fucked <laughs> and i like the I, the one quip he did get uh, that i really liked was when they're like they're basically saying we're gonna kill you and he's like like basically says he's not gonna by, die by slide's hands oh yes and that was pretty <laughs> funny i was like that's a good dig fuck slide so um but, yeah, good book. Um, and no ASM this week. So, that's a pretty yeah. Spider Man update. So, that brings us to a number one. Ah, oh, man. Spirits of Vengeance, Spirit Writer number one. So, written by Taboo and B. Earl. Yes. Coming back to comics and doing a great job, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, it's a good book. Uh, drawn <laughs> by Paul Davidson, colored by Dan Brown. And letter by Joe Carb Magna. Now there is some additional art by Jeffrey Varege, too. So we basically get the origin of Kushala. Uh well you had the origin before. I guess it kind of comes back to the origin, is the best way to put it. Yeah, it,
0: it does do like a little time travel esque type of trope, yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh Kushala, for those who don't know, was introduced in War of the Realms, I believe. War of the Realms, or it might have been Sorcerer Supreme, or was she already? But I thought that was part of War of the Realms. Oh, okay. so maybe it was just around it. Um, but she was, she was basically part of the team of sorcerer Supreme and she's, she's from the 1800s. I believe it was mm-hmm. and ended up staying in our time. And she is not only the Sorcerer supreme of her time. She is also a ghostwriter or a spirit of vengeance, I guess. Yeah. That's way to put it. So, um, and yeah, we get, we, we open up with her, uh, well, we open up actually with Johnny blaze attacking New York. But uh, this is really her story in the end. A lot of Johnny Blaze in it, but it is her story. Mm -hmm. And basically what she finds out, Doctor Strange is like, listen, I need your help. Uh, The demon that's in Johnny Blaze is out of control and we just need help, you know, taking care of this. Um, I really, really, really like the design of a lot of this. Oh, yeah. Um, A lot of the art is really good. Just her, just that shot. Yeah, dude. She just looks badass. And the way her magic looks, it looks completely different than Strange's. Mm -hmm. Like, I just really dig that. So, basically, she's got to go through four levels in Johnny Blaze's mind, going through his past, um, which was a lot of fun. I love the whole, like, you know, almost, like, Inception thing, them going to the brain. and She obviously looks completely out of place, but no one's really reacting to it. Right, but everybody's giving, like, the the stink eye over. Yeah, it very, very much felt like that. Yeah, so... Basically, Johnny Blaze has to overcome all these issues from his past, which they do. We won't get into too much detail about them because this is really her story. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you find out that the demon isn't even interested in him. It's there for her. It wants her. And we get this really cool fight. And oh, also we get this page. Yes. Which was so dope. It's just a lot of exposition on one side and a really cool design on the other side. And it basically sets it all up. And also, this demon's design. Fucking sick. I know, right? Yeah. So dope. So. But yeah, basically, we find out what's going on. It was coming for her. And she basically has to... She was there to help Johnny Blaze deal with his issues. But in the end, she had to deal with her own issues. Yeah. You know? And then, so she's able to, because she's a badass. And she uses her powers on the demon and shrinks it down to a little bitty demon. And it's like... Squeaky voice,
3: I will kill you. <laughs> and
1: then what does she do? She fucking eats him. She eats Love him. Love it. So great. And basically that that makes her better. Like she's actually more complete, more powerful now. Yeah. Like they, they, even, they even allude to almost like godlike too. Yeah. And she tells them she has to go back to her time. So in the end, that's what happens is she, she does go back to her time. And uh, she does, you know, close it off with. Oh, she goes back to her time, by the way, to continue her lineage, right? To um, we'll, we'll complete the
0: circle of like letting go of her, yeah, passing down the yep. torch, yeah. Also, love that that last panel, like her eyes again, like I her design, just it up.
1: yeah, so dope. It, it's funny because I don't want to say this because it's kind of like. Funny, but it looks like the old hardy boy symbol from wwe back in the attitude era <laughs> i, I used it. to have that necklace so i know exactly what it looks like so but yeah no i know that's not what it is but I was, at this first i was like is it the hardy boy symbol so she's a really big jet hardy fan uh so but i dig the last bit i am kushala a source supreme but no longer a ghost or demon rider nor a spirit of vengeance i'm something new a spirit rider a spirit rider so fucking cool so now yeah. that not in so, the past, we
0: can we can establish something something new that was from then based on mm-hmm. this. Like it's
1: uh, it's so good. So this is a one shot mm-hmm. that leads to a new series. To which one? The, this was a one shot. Oh yeah yeah. Oh I'm seeing it that's now. It's gonna lead. So at the very end, that you can see right there. They're talking yeah. about it's gonna be an ongoing series in the fall. I'm excited. I really really enjoyed this. And oh me she's, too. She's dope. I love her design and just I like the. She has the same quality that Doctor Strange does, where they're in this fucking chaotic situation and they're just calm. Oh, totally! Super composed, super cool. Yeah, so great. No, I mean this again, (laughs) like
0: like that kind of shit. She was awesome. Like, I I kind of do want to go back. I fucking Marvel Unlimited. um, Actually, read those Sorcerer Supreme uh, books to get her intro, and then yeah, to see uh, on then to actually see what she did in the War of the Realms. But again, we talked about this story was. Mainly for her, like like closing off her story. She was like kind of here for a while, kicking it. I guess Marvel didn't really know what to do with her, so let's just put her back in, in time by where she where she was, where she was from. But I also liked that this book also also closed Johnny Cage's story. Like I, I think in the la- in the last one shot or in, or in the end of uh, his of uh, the ongoing series, um, was it Danny Ketch used his new form to get rid of mo- most of the evil but obviously something was still lingering there as being uh, the king of hell and I guess like what this was that piece that was corrupting him why Ghost Rider yeah. Johnny Boy was like going darker and darker or just, just being like going harder as he was and this was that piece that was in there so it's almost like a full circle for the whole thing or it's like because we we talk about like, that Ghost Rider series was just so fucking good it was starting out to be such, such a great run for that character and now we're we're getting these weird one shots to touch back on to almost be like aha we had a good thing here and this was probably like the a good closer for, for for that series
1: yeah definitely um but yeah i'm excited for the ongoing um it's gonna be great yeah so that leads us to our x-men and we're gonna start with hellions <laughs> hellions number 14 i have forgotten where we left off with these guys i did not <laughs> written by zeb wells drawn by rose roger uh, antonio Colored by Rain Burrito and lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, yeah. So, basically, Clone Sinister came back to life with, with, with the fucking uh, Locust Vile who Hellions had a fight with in the other world and lost badly. Bad. So, um, he reveals that, hey, Sinister killed all of you when you got back and all this stuff. So, that's where we're kind of starting off. And they're about to summon Tarn, which is their version of Mister Sinister, basically. And there's a there's a thing here where, if we remember, the three people that died in Otherworld, not uh, in the bad part of Otherworld, Amen. Uh, back like rock, yeah. Um, not where you come back like Rockslide, mm-hmm. but like where you're a little different, uh, which is Nanny, Orphan Maker, and Wild Child they immediately are just incredibly aggressive and they just feel like burning up. Like they need to kill the locust file immediately, which I thought was pretty cool. Like that's, that's a cool hint at something. And in the end, they just can't hold it back. And, um, Nanny leads the cry with you die pig. I'm assuming it's shit. I like shit. That's a funny (laughs) one. You die pig shit welcome to the slaughterhouse there's something hilarious about nanny doing things and saying shit yeah that's just perfect and i remember when this book was announced i'm like nanny and orphan maker i was like okay (laughs) but now i'm like fuck yeah nanny and orphan maker so these three are badasses and they're kicking ass and stuff and then i love the bit where uh clone sinister's talking shit the whole time he's like the boy ventures too close to amino fetus his powers are forfeit and he throws a fucking grenade at him. <laughs> he yes. him He's like, Are his grenades forfeit? Shut up. <laughs> like, so, throughout this awesome, badass fight scene, the sinisters are bickering the whole time, which is great. And then Tarn comes and they attack him. And he actually returns Wild Child to the state he was in prior to his death. So, he loses like the extra aggression and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Josue. Can he return? Rockslide. We we can only ask, right? <laughs> can he return, Gorgon?
0: Man, uh, was yeah no, Gorgon did, but Gorgon didn't come back completely different the way Rockslide did. He's a kid.
3: <laughs> He's
1: a little kid version. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, that's. I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get Santo back, is what I'll say. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Although I do love New Rockslide. He's adorable. It it, it is fun. It is interesting getting to know him, too. Yeah. But the fight ends, basically, when Tarn's, like, kicking ass. And then all of a sudden, Sinister unleashes all of the clone Sinisters. And they're all attacking Tarn. (laughs) And then the Sinisters run away through a gate. And they're like, yep, I'm going through this gate. Only I can go through it later.
3: Fucking <laughs> like,
1: asshole. Just being fucking Essex all over again. He's such a piece of shit. I love him. He's, he's just great. So, it wasn't until
0: I, I was definitely surprised the first time around it when it's was like, oh, shit, he had a backup plan. But it wasn't until right now where, where we're going where we're going through the pages and it's um the scene where basically once a uh, wild child starts going aggro, we get the info page and the next one and you get you get a, you get a clear shot of the background. And every single one of those crystal capsules has a fucking diamond on their chest. And it was there
1: under our noses the whole time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I did get the in Lee cover. Yes. Of course. Because it's wonderful. So. That leads us to our last book. X-Men, number two. Yes. I did get the in Lee cover for this one, too, which is armor. Nice. And it's wonderful. Um. So. This is X-Men 2, so it's only the second issue of the new relaunch of X-Men. And the fact that we're getting a new volume of X-Men still throws me off. I still, I'm like, we just had a volume of X-Men start. But yeah. yeah. It is very much clearly a sec a next step, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Written by Gary Dugan, drawn by Pepe de Raz, colored by Marte Gracia, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So in the first issue, we saw several big bads that are possibly going to be coming up for the X-Men. Um, we saw the angry rich dude who was trying to terraform Mars. <laughs> we saw a couple different things, but we also saw Cordycep Jones, which is just uh, the best name. And it's basically a living fungus who runs a casino where they're taking bets on what they will use to destroy the Earth. We're going to throw this at it. Will it destroy it? We'll see. <laughs> it's all a big gamble. It reminds me of Rat Race. Do you remember that movie? Oh, fuck, yeah. It reminds me of that where they're betting on poor people like trying to get money. That's shit's great. So, except obviously they're trying to kill everybody instead of, you know, just make fun of them. So what do they do? They unleash the annihilation wave back on planet earth.
2: <laughs> like it's um, that simple.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my theory with this book is, I think this book, it's going to serve several purposes, but I think the biggest purpose this book is going to serve is elevating Everett cinch, to top status for x-men oh i fucking hope so he's so great in this
0: uh, i mean off, gets- yeah off the bat like the focus on him and just exploring his powers is like why would it, why wouldn't we want to play with this more and have people ask for him hell yes
1: yeah he's fucking great and just the whole thing with him and Jean, and he's learning how to use her powers because it's one thing to take a power but something like telepathy you need to train with it yeah you can't or just like, like i got he, it <laughs> yeah i like that he takes it and then he's sitting in training with it so if he needs it in the field mm-hmm. he knows how to use it properly yes that's a cool idea that's a really cool idea um and i also like the idea that the person he takes the power of is going to have more experience than him yes so later on they there's a moment where he takes polaris's power and the more important, they have another reason, but I feel like the more important stressful situation they took Polaris to because that is her thing. And you know, if if it came under stress, she would have more ability to keep it up than he would Yes, because she knows the fine tunes of it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Plus he can take another power. They make a point of that. So, so they run into the annihilation wave and it opens up with just them being badasses, uh, just doing cool combo moves, which we talked about in X-Men. Combo moves are just great. (laughs) Um, like Polaris unlocking a bunch of uh, uh logs from a, a truck and Gene using her uh, telekinesis to throw them at the the wave. To My personal favorite is Rogue throwing one with Scott shooting it so it turns into just, it's basically Magneto with the frozen magma but yes. with wood instead and just eviscerates them and I love the the bit where it's like the more matter it eats, the bigger it gets like the Blob, the McQueen film not the not our bartender <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, shout out to Blob uh, so <laughs> basically they just do what they need to do they contain the threat they destroy it, it with minimal casualties and because Jean is so fucking good at what she does she's able to break into a brain and figure out what's going on that is, you know, the annihilation wave and what's going on and everything, so um, I At the end, it took, so, it took a really cool turn because I'm like, okay, I know what this issue is about. It's going to be starring Cinch, also Gene, and Polaris probably are the big focuses. But then, then. we get an awesome turn oh, fuck, where we yeah. talk about Sunfire. Yes. And I have a low-key love for Sunfire. like I've always really loved the characters, especially Age of Apocalypse forward. Because okay. he was so great in Age of Apocalypse. He was one of the stars. So, but basically, like, someone in the town, I think they're in Kansas... Is like you see at the town. What's your name? And he's like Sunfire. And then he literally tells his story and he tells what he told during the election. So yes. we're gonna get one every issue. I, I think it,
0: I, we fucking better. I really want that so bad.
1: Yeah, and I just love this. Like he, he was always so angry. Yes, like his entire life, and he was always about his self interest and everything. And he's like, and ever since ever since Krakoa, he basically told them, "Hey, I'm here to serve." At this point and I'm like oh that's so dope and they actually end up staying and having barbecue with them which is dope
0: and also because if it wasn't because of the panels we recently saw and it's his book is this supposed to be Jerry it could be he he did have like the dark mustache and the white beard that's
3: true (laughs) right
1: (laughs) but yeah dude I want some Kansas barbecue that sounds delicious oh hell yeah and then we get another tease for another big bad so things are just gonna keep happening you know what I Mm -hmm. mean and that's kinda leading to the, the, the hidden threat of this book, with all these big bats popping up, people are starting to ask, wait, didn't these X Men die? Why are they back? Yeah. What are humans gonna do when they find out that X Men can clone people back to life, but won't do it for anyone but mutants? Yeah.
0: I mean well, I mean they got they got their extra five year pill, whatever. Yeah. Well I mean, <laughs> you know,
1: that if the public found out about that, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah
0: no i i definitely love this issue especially yeah, we're exploring sync uh the cinch sync uh but then yeah like the great surprise of like the the election process was so cool and yeah. to, to like we were there <laughs> but to actually get to listen to everybody's like or the ones that were serious about being elected or for, to be elected for to just hear those speeches like i would have i just would have loved to to be part of like that part of a uh, part of the process and then like everybody just Coming to a vote to hear that speech at the gala and like, yeah, fuck it, you got my vote on spot. That is so fire. <laughs>
1: um, I also would be I would be remiss if I didn't mention the very beginning of the book where Rogue finds that that Gambit is having a poker game <laughs> in the bottom of the treehouse. And I love it because Rhino's there.
0: It's Rhino and Black Cat.
1: <laughs> I love Rhino. And like, the, thing, I'm really the thing is fine, but the, also the thing is also cool with just these two cats being there because they're probably good at poker. <laughs> well, half the time, Rhino's a good guy. Like, it's just... Yeah,
0: like, that's
2: true.
1: You know, like, he, he's hes just a thief. You know and these I mean? would
2: like,
0: be the assholes would be like, oh, no, I'm fucking good at poker. Yeah. so yeah invite black cat yeah. Let, let's let's see if i'm better than, than her good luck
1: <laughs> yeah like so i i love it it's, that was fun he's like shit i shouldn't be here <laughs> and then rogue's like you invited super villains into the treehouse when we're just now making our debut asshole <laughs> outside every fucking day <laughs> she's like you're not even on this team
3: <laughs> <Forget> it, <dude. laughs>
1: what are you doing here so all right guys, that's the end of the comics for the week. Oh, sway? anything to wrap up with anything else? Uh no, no, that's all. It all <laughs> awesome. Well, to wrap up for me, I've been listening to an audiobook for Six of Crows, which is the um, the one of the series from Shadow and Bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show, which is fucking great if you guys haven't seen it, watch it. It's amazing. It's the best YA show I've seen in a long time. Um but Six of Crows is a heist story. And it's fucking fantastic. And I'm halfway through it and I love it. And each character gets a get like spotlight chapters and there's a different reader for each character. So it's really cool. Well done. So uh, so I'll keep you guys up to date on that. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at WHIPodcast. You can check me out at WHIPodcastKeith. Keith. Our producer Liz at WHIPodcastLiz. Liz and hostway at Hosway Reads Hosway. Of course you can check this all out on Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media as well as GeekEliteMedia.com. Uh, you can also check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, where we talk about music and we put together a playlist every week, adding things on according to different categories. Our next episode, which should be coming out on Monday, is about artists who are gone too soon. And we definitely went into some detail and got a little bit emotional at times. So yeah. <laughs> it's uh, definitely a good listen. And then, of course, check out our other show, uh, podcast Ultra. You can find that on Twitter at ultra underscore podcast. Uh, we did have to skip last week, but we'll be back again. Uh, but it's about video games and what we've been playing and everything. So follow us there, and um, we will really appreciate it. But thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you so much for reading comic books and supporting this amazing industry that's been a part of our lives for so long, and supporting all these great creative people to be able to do what they do for a living. Uh, but most of all, I want you want to remind you to always. Geek out This concludes our
3: broadcast. Peace.